Good morning. Welcome to the 50th convention of the American Council of the Blind of New York. I'm Jean Mann. Um, I'm the second vice president, and I'm filling in for Karen Blackowitz, our president, who's a little bit under the weather this morning. We got a little bit of a late start. We had a couple technical glitches. This is the first time we've done this, so these things are bound to happen. So I'm going to um, make a couple quick announcements, and then we'll get on with our program. First of all, I just want to remind you that if you need to ask a question or make a comment, you'll need to raise your hand in order to do that. And if you're on a computer, you will use your Alt-Y keys. If you're on a phone, you use your star nine keys to raise your hand. When you're called on, you will unmute yourself. And on the computer, that's Alt-A. And on the phone, that is star six. Um, we want to uh, especially thank ACB Radio. We are live on ACB Radio, so we're being broadcast all over the world. And we want to thank our team who have been working very diligently to make this happen for us. Um, we also want to thank our corporate sponsors, and I'll read them off. We have Spectrum. We have Orcam. We have Northeastern Association of the Blind. Central Association of the Blind and Visually Impaired in Utica, the Lighthouse Guild, and DeWitt and Tangible Surface Research, Behind Our Eyes, and Newsreel Magazine, and we thank all of them. I also, um, there was something else I was going to say, and I don't remember what it was, so I think we'll just get started. Um, our our um, first session this morning has become a tradition with ACB of New York. We always hold a town hall meeting with our Commission for the Blind. Um, and so we're going to do that again. This will go on from now until about noontime. Um, after that, we're going to take a little break and there'll be some tunes specifically picked out for New York. And there'll be some greetings from some people. And then uh, at one o'clock, we'll have our opening ceremonies. At two o'clock, we'll have some greetings from our chapter presidents. At 2.15, we will start our, our business meeting. That's a change. It was originally 2.30 and we've moved it up to 2.15. That will last till about 4.30. And then we will have, um, we will have a, a speaking from our corporate sponsors. And then at five o'clock, we have a session called uh, Diversity, Disability, and Intersectionality. And that will go on until about 6.30. Then we're done on ACB radio for the day, but we will have a uh, convention drop-in call later at 7.30 that will not be live streamed. Okay, I think that's everything I need to say. If not, uh, our chair, I forgot to thank our chair, person for this convention, and Chiapetta. So if I forgot anything, she'll fill you in, I'm sure. Now, I want to get started. So I want to introduce the executive director of the um, New York State Commission for the Blind, Brian Daniels. Brian has been a director for, I believe, 15 years, Brian? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got that one, Jean. Yep. You know, I remember it because your predecessor's retirement party was on my 52nd birthday. Ah. So now everybody knows how old I am. 
<laughs> anyway, Brian has been a, a good friend to ACB and to many of us individually, and he and his staff um, would like to talk to you about what's going on with the commission and answer any questions you might have. So I'm going to turn it over to Brian, and thank you, Brian, for being here, and thank all of you, and enjoy the conference. Great. Well, thank you so much, Jean. Um, it's always a pleasure. You are definitely a longtime friend, and you revealed your age. Um, I'm 58, so there I go. I'm revealing mine point blank um, right off, but um, it dates us um, or doesn't date us. I don't know, but we've known each other for 25 years, Jean, and it's really been a pleasure, and I'm so glad that you remain an important leader within the um, ACB family and by extension, um, the family of uh, the Commission for the Blind. Um, so good morning, everybody. Good morning, ACBNY. And on behalf of your Commission for the Blind, um, from our family to yours, we hope that you and your loved ones are doing well and that you're free from the infliction of this global pandemic and uh, may it stay that way. Um, and thanks so much for inviting us, your Commission for the Blind, once again. Um, this year to a milestone um, state convention is your 50th annual. So um, the commission's deepest congratulations to you on 50 years. Um, may it be another 50 and far beyond that too um, for your wonderful advocacy and all that you do to strengthen our community. Um, so this is really a pleasure to be here, to listen to you, to all of your supporters, um, and what is not um, an in-person, but rather a virtual town hall. So it's different for all of us, um, as you've acknowledged. And I do want to thank you, Anne Chapetta, um, Poet Laureate and a human services uh, provider. Um, for your support um, for this event. And you can add state convention chair to your resume, Annie. Okay, um, I yeah. will. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also thank you to the entire ACB and to your president, Ms. Karen Blackowitz. And speaking of resumes, you too, Karen, uh, I know you're listening. Um, you have an impressive one as do so, so many at this meeting and elsewhere. And the ACBNY members stand as stark role models to teach the world that those resumes are no different than resumes highlighting successes of sighted people, I think. Um, you know, with the proper training and the right equipment, there's not much that a blind person can't do that a sighted person can. And a lot of people say that um, often I hear that, and I certainly say that as I did just now, but lately I've kind of taken pause, you know, I'm sighted. Um, well, I also needed proper training to do my job and all the jobs that I've ever had. And I also needed the right equipment, whatever that might've been. Maybe different equipment than some at this meeting, but my needs are the same and have been the same. Um, but nonetheless, the services your commission deliver are specialized vision rehab services that constitute some of that um, aforementioned training. So it's very valuable for us at the commission to listen today um, and to hear feedback um, from you and how we are doing, um, what we're doing well and what we could be doing better. Um, 
And before I um, introduce one more speaker, there is something that I also wish to share with you. Um, some feedback um, to the membership and members of the public who are here. Um, I want you uh, to know, um, all of you, that during the course of this year and without fail, your president, Karen Blackowitz, represented you to my office with respect, with honesty, and um, an almost spiritual serenity. Uh, she never ever waned, ever, in her very strong advocacy for her beloved ACB and was always open to our point of view though clearly as it should be, the ACB was always front and center in her mind and her advocacy. She was always available to me when I needed, despite uh, her active work life, family life, and ACB NY and ACB national life, among other things. So thank you, President Karen, and may you feel better soon. So now I would um, also um, wish to um, invite a very good friend of mine and all of ours here in just a moment to say a few words, and, and that's Carrie Laney. Uh, Carrie is the executive director of the New York State Preferred Source Program for New Yorkers who are blind. And I think many of you really know very well um, what she and her crew and beyond her crew um, do to support um, production um, in New York State, um, income for blind state residents, those who are working in the program, well over 400 um, people. And I think what's most notable this year is that um, those in affiliates like NABA and in Albany and um, CABV in Utica, who I know um, were among the sponsors of this, um, were prolific PPE providers and producers. And OCFS, our larger agency, purchased a lot from them, um, as did other state agencies. And there is just no doubt in our minds that with the hard work of those in manufacturing, and there are so many remarkable stories out there, and the hard work of Carrie and her staff and the affiliated agency, um, it just stands out um, among the many great things this program does, the many great things that Carrie Laney does that she oversees and that she inspires. So I turn it over to you, Carrie, for some um, brief remarks. Brian, thank you so much for that. Um, good morning, ACB NY. It's a pleasure to be with you um, this year, obviously virtually. Last year, enjoyed being with you all in Albany. Um, I always appreciate uh, being able to say a few words during uh, the commission's time in your agenda. Thank you always for extending the invitation. Um, just real quick, Gene, thank you for, for moderating this, the, this morning. Um, Annie, great job uh, chairing the conference. And Karen, I hope you feel better very soon. Um, and it was a pleasure, Karen, to meet you um, last year as well. So just real quick, I know you have a lot um, on your agenda this morning, and I appreciate the ability to give you a little update on, on um, this program. 
As you know, the New York State Preferred Source Program for people, for New Yorkers who are blind or NYSPSP is a state initiative. We're, we're designated by the Commission for the Blind OCFS to run this program um, to create jobs for New Yorkers who are blind. Um, we uh, create over 400 or more, um, create and maintain uh, over 400 or more um, jobs through this program. And we do so, so by selling goods and services that state and local governments, authorities, hospital, public hospitals, you name it, need to buy anyway. And they buy it from, through us so that we can um, create employment. Uh, which is critically important. Um, I don't need to tell the ACB membership about the unemployment rate that um, people who are blind face. So um, it, as Brian mentioned, um, it's been a crazy year as it has for a lot of people. Uh, we're on a federal fiscal year, so that fiscal year just ended and um, we had our strongest year ever in terms of sales. Um, you know, a lot of our agencies, um, we're in particularly like Alpha Point in Queens, we're in hot spots during COVID, um, definitely made employment a challenge. And, and just like the economy writ large, we saw um, some employment dips at, in some of our agencies. And so we're hoping to see um, that reverse um, as well as hopefully, you know, in the economy across the board. Um, but yes, are we, my employees, we're all of 13 um, and a lot of folks who never worked remote before. Uh, we hooked up with laptops and sent them home so everyone would be safe. They were, they worked so hard, so effectively remotely. And, um, and as Brian knows, because he was on the front lines of ordering things for OCFS so um, and the Commission for the Blind. So those employees were safe in the field uh, we were talking to New York City Health and Hospitals, the MTA, whose employees were, were on the front lines, um, you know, customer after customer who um, needed to make sure their employees were protected while they served their constituents. Um, we, um, you know, did everything we could working with our 10 affiliated agencies. Not all of those agencies produce uh, PPE or disinfecting, but um, like NABA, CABI, Alpha Point, and others, Olmstead, now known as VIA, um, we really, they really did stand on their head to um, produce everything they could to help out people um, who are on the front line serving New Yorkers and to, so they could do so as safe as possible. So uh, we also made sure our regular business continued. We made sure we renewed uh, call center contracts. We've had one with SUNY, we've had with U, um, UB, uh, University of Buffalo, um, we continue to push our uh, service sector employment. In fact, those, even though that wasn't COVID related, those service sector sales are up in that space, um, call center and document scanning and um, those types of employment opportunities, which are super important. Um, so I invite you to visit our website, nyspsp.org. Please feel free to email me or reach out with any questions or, that you may have. Uh, my email address is claney, C-L-A-N as in Nancy, E-Y, claney at nyspsp.org. And uh, follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn for the latest and greatest. And thank you, Brian, uh, for the support of the New York State Commission for the Blind. 
uh, Commissioner Poole uh, was as part of an event we were participating in yesterday. Her support is amazing. I know that um, you know she supports all of our efforts to create every job possible. Um, that's you know so important, um, and particularly when times get tough, right? Um, the, the jobs through this program are even are even more important. So I appreciate the um, support from ACB. I always appreciate being able to be with you and um, today or 365 days of the year, um, I'm available to answer any questions, um, hear your feedback, any su suggestions, um, please, you know, consider me available to you always. And, um, you know, here's my best wishes to all of you um, for a great conference and uh, please stay healthy and well through this coming fall. And uh, Thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you um, very much, Carrie. Um, just a few more words um, before we open it up. Um, of course, we all know that uh, these past months that we have been um, in pause and then um, unpause, um, but even in unpause, um, there's been more limited opportunities um, to provide in-person services. Uh, there are some lagging indicators. And while the fundamental soundness of your commission remains so, it's gonna be another couple of months or so, I think, until we have a better sense of employment data um, for blind state residents um, who have um, participated in commission services in the past and recently. Um, and also, um, I do wanna recognize our management staff um, who are here today um, and also who are available as panelists um, to answer questions. Um, they are um, Assistant Commissioner Nat Byer, Downstate Regional Coordinator Jason Eckert, our Business Enterprise Program Director Louise Werner, Regional Coordinator and Coordinator of Employment Services, Peter Herrig, um, Q, QA Manager and Associate Vocational Rehabilitation Counselor, Julie Hovey, um, and our Outreach Coordinator, Laura Murphy, who I know has uh, contributed, um, and we appreciate the invitation Laura has on our behalf contributed to past ACBNY newsletters. And um, our Deputy Director, Barbara Kellerman, um, we are expecting that she will um, be here later as well. So um, your commission is pleased to open up um, this town hall meeting to um, discussion and our opportunity to listen. Um, please, one thing to keep in mind is that there is always a time and a place to talk about particulars in um, any case that you may have with the Commission for the Blind. Um, out of respect to the Town Hall and the American Council of the Blind and um, the wish to talk about um, policy and other types of things as it relates to service, um, this would not be the um, place or forum for that. Um, but in cases where anyone would have con particular concerns about their services, um, to talk to their counselors um, and continue to 
um, or if you need, um, if it's a significant issue that you can't resolve to talk to one of the um, supervisors of the counselor as well. So I'm very pleased to open this up. Okay, hi, I'm Lynn, I'm the host, and I am, we have Rahi, you may unmute. There is a dialogue on your screen in the middle of it. Lower hand. It's uh, Rahil. Hi, Rahil. Um, now, how many years has the commission been around, and and how did the Randolph Shepherd program come into play? Did it come into play before the commission or after? Yeah. Well, um, thank you for your question, Rahil. Um, our commission is a hundred and seven years old. Um, we have um, quite a history. Um, some that I even recently came across, um, that I came across um, and reviewed. Very, very interesting. Some, some things you wouldn't know um, or expect that our commission has done. Um, the Randolph Shepherd program is a little bit newer um, than, um, than 107 years old. And I'll turn to our um, business enterprise program director, which is... Um, Randolph Shepard. Um, so I turn to you, Louise. Hi. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Hi, this is Louise. I'm director of the Business Enterprise Program. And yes, the Randolph Shepard Act's been around since 1936. Um, prior to that in New York, there were still some stands operating, um, but the actual program itself started in 1936. So it's been around a long time and we absolutely plan on having it around for years to come. Interestingly enough, um, and many of you may know the history too, um, when the Commission for the Blind was born, um, employment was um, a part of us, um, but secondary. Um, the purpose of it was to study blindness particularly um, for the purpose of prevention. Um, and some of you may know that that led eventually to the mid-1940s when it was determined that um, the leading cause of um, accidental blindness um, were fireworks accidents. So the Commission for the Blind apparently single-handedly got the law changed to make fireworks more restrictive. And it seems that they did a study after that to determine that the change in the law was very effective. So um, an interesting um, piece of history um, that I didn't know about the commission until pretty recently. Okay, we have another, uh, Kathy, Casey, you may unmute. Hey, good morning, Brian and everyone. Um, <laughs> just a, a quick question. I had heard back when because of the COVID that in order to close a case, you needed to be in person and they would not allow it to be virtual. Um, is that correct? And has things changed? Um, yeah, well, um, Jason, will you take that please? Um, so to, to answer the question, 
the way it was phrased when you when we discuss a case that becomes closed or inactive, um, there, there, there are multiple levels to what that means. So there's an active case with the Commission for the Blind, meaning that uh, someone would have the services provided by their counselor, right? Their counselor organizes the services, makes referrals for the services and what have you. So that, that service stays open and that doesn't have anything to do with in-person uh, you know, or not in-person. So the idea that one would close a case based on an in-person or virtual visit, that's not a correct notion. Um, so no, the longer answer is, and where I suspect this is coming from, is as everybody knows, we work with many partner agencies across the, the state, um, you know, CADV for instance, or the Lighthouse Guild or Visions, things like that. And we have been working with them to have good programming during COVID um, where everybody can be safe. And we've made some determinations that um, some of the services that we normally provide can be done uh, virtually. Um, but some of the services that we normally provide cannot be done virtually. Um, so there's been back and forth in making some determinations of what those services would be. For instance, it's very hard to have a low vision exam or get fitted for glasses virtually. Um, a person has to have the glasses on their face and uh, they have to be touched by the optician's hands or um, the optometrist has to use a device to look into their eye to make sure that their eye is healthy. And that just can't be done virtually. So some services we require um, that they get done in person and in order for them to be successful and other services, we determine that they can be done uh, virtually. So a different example and some hybrid. There are some services, let's take rehabilitation teaching uh, or vision rehab therapy as we call it now. There are some services that um, in that service that probably can be done safely virtually. Um, but there are other services where we would really want that vision rehabilitation therapist to be in your home with you. Um, for instance, using a stove. One, one would, would really not want to use a stove and have instruction on an open flame gas stove via a Zoom call. Um, one would want somebody next to them in case something goes wrong. So next to them means that we would have to uh, have somebody come in with uh, personal protective equipment. Everyone has to agree to it. Everyone has to make the determination that this is a, a safe thing to do. Um, and then they would, they would go ahead and have that. So some services, it's a long way of saying, just with some examples, some services we say in order for that service to be successful, they must be done uh, in person. Some services we're saying it can be done in a hybrid fashion where some can be done, let's say over a Zoom call or FaceTime or something like this. And some services we've said all of that service, if everybody agrees to it, um, can be done virtually. I will say this though, um, it is certainly uh, a, a preference. I think if, if a person identifies that they want some face-to-face -face service for one of those virtual services, um, we would want the uh, provider to provide that. Um, so that's how it's broken down, but no person uh, would have a commission case closed um, on the idea that something occurred virtually or not virtually. We would only talk about the successful completion of services at our not-for-profit partner agencies 
um, or vendors. Does that answer the question? Yes, uh, that's fine. That's that's. Uh, has your caseload increased or decreased because of this uh, COVID uh, event? Um, my experience from reviewing the, the cases is the caseloads have remained about the same, um, perhaps just a little dip in getting everything up and running while we were having, um, you know, adjusting to, to COVID. But the applications for uh, in the offices have been just about the same, no significant dip. The amount of intakes that the counselors are doing are also just about the same. All right, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, Lori Scharf, you may unmute. Hi, everybody. Um, I want to thank everybody for uh, attending this morning. And I want to commend the Commission for the Blind and the partner agencies for doing such a diligent job in getting services up and running and connecting with clients. Um, as somebody who has participated in some American Council of the Blind national events, I can tell you services have not been as stable in other parts of the country. So I do know that New York has worked extremely hard. Um, one of the concerns that I have heard from some people are that there is a lack uh, or was a lack of remote training for Braille because rehabilitation teachers uh, didn't have books to provide clients material in Braille. I'm wondering if any agencies identified that as an issue. As a follow-up to that, um, I do know that at least one agency was using material from the 1960s to teach outdated Braille. And I'm wondering if uh, the Commission for the Blind would be have a way to change or, or, or require that agencies are teaching only unified English Braille. Um, yes, thank you so much, Lori. I, I know uh, I mentioned this on the COVID call, but things were a little wacky that day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I'm specifically focusing on one of the agencies providing services on Long Island. Yes, okay. I. Um, I thank you. I really appreciate that um, feedback and also that also that little tidbit at the end there. Um, certainly, um, unified um, code is um, what the standard is right now. And um, certainly um, the agencies and anyone that we fund um, should be teaching that, especially and particularly um, when it is relevant um, for the individual who is um, receiving and participating in the services. Um, we also share your concern, Lori, um, with remote um, training for Braille. Um, of course, it's, it's difficult enough um, for those who are um, sighted and learning the print, um, and the challenge becomes um, manifold um, when it comes to, um, uh, to remote um, training for Braille. Um, there are certain devices and techniques that are out there as well as um, encouragement um, for a family member um, to become acquainted in Braille um, so that they can also teach their child as well 
um, at home remotely, just like um, I think typically a sighted parent would um, teach um, their sighted um, child um, how to read the print. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's much, much easier said than done. Um, but I know that there are a lot of strategies out there um, that um, are being undertaken. And I think I see uh, Megan here today as well. And she'll tell you that the um, State Rehabilitation Council, which she chairs, uh, has also taken an interest um, in this subject. And we did have a educator attend our last meeting uh, for the SRC to talk about this. So um, Megan, I don't know if there was anything from your experience that you wanted to add to this as well. Hi, thanks, Brian. Um, no, it's definitely, uh, as you said, something the State Rehabilitation Council is concerned with and has focused some time on. Um, I think mostly what we heard was um, about people in schools gearing up um, for Braille, but I, you know, I do think, um, you know, the issue of making sure that materials are available to people receiving services remotely and that they're up to date is um, an important issue to keep paying attention to. So thank you, Lori, for, for raising that again, because, um, you know, there were a lot of issues raised uh, over those series of calls about remote services you alluded to. Um, so it's good to keep highlighting um, issues you've, you know, observed locally. So thank you. All right. So, um, with, um, I, I'd like well, I'm sorry. also to make a comment, um, a continuing as well. Um, you know, Lori, I remember 20 years ago, um, together um, we were working to advocate for the Braille Bill, as we called it, um, in the state at the time. And um, it had finally passed um, that year in 2000. And along the way, um, I really became acquainted and understood. Um, the importance of Braille in the life of many blind people. And that computer output alone for many people um, was not sufficient. And even today, 20 years later, and I suspect into the future too, the correlation between Braille success and success on the job um, remains very strong. Um, so this is something that the um, that your commission for the blind will continue to support um, and to prioritize and to look at every type of um, resource that's out there that we can marshal in this time and when we're past the pandemic um, to, um, to be able to deliver these services. Um, I know we have a great resource down in New York City in the high school library um, they do some informal, even some informal Braille teaching, and they do so in multi-languages. Um, so um, there are some resources around that we should continue to look into um, and try to tap into. We are looking to start a, uh, there's, a, a, there's a, a national affiliate called Braille Revival League, and they do have some chapters in various states, and we're looking to start one in New York State. So... Um, if you are at all interested, we'll publicize it more. Um, but we'll get some information out on the on the New York State uh, ACB list, ACB and Y list, whatever. 
we'll get some information out to you. Some of you have already uh, signed up and told us that you're interested, but others of you may be. So uh, we'll keep advertising that. Great. Um, so Jean and everyone, um, if you feel that the commission can be supportive in terms of referrals or other support we might be able to help you with, please don't hesitate to come forward and ask. Okay, uh, Roseanne, can you try to unmute again? Um, Brian, I have two questions that are on two different levels, actually. Uh, one is on an employment level. Um, I'm um, in the process of uh, going into another position and the, the place that I'm going to is using antiquated software, unfortunately. And we're working with their IT team right now to get JAWS to run with their software. And I'm wondering um, what would happen in this situation if I need to have uh, Freedom Scientific or someone come in to actually write scripts for this program? Is that something that the commission will support? It's a, it's a good question. And the answer is yes, the commission um, would be able to support that. Usually, I'm, I'm going to make some assumptions for a general statement, not a specific statement for your case. Um, but usually, uh, someone is, is having some assistance when they're in the process of um, uh, getting a job or changing jobs or what have you from the commission. So you would have a commission counselor. And the commission- yeah. Oh, good. And so if you, you should be able to um, express this concern to the commission counselor. And there are a few experts that we contract with who can do uh, JAWS scripting to customize the JAWS for the program uh, that your current employer is using. So broadly, that is a service that, that we would absolutely support as part of job placement service and assistive technology service, things like that. Um, a little bit more specifically, so I would encourage in your case for you to discuss this with your commission counselor. Um, yeah, I'm in the process of that right now. Terrific, terrific. A little bit more specifically, though, um, you know, JAWS scripters um, are a little bit hard to come by. So yeah, we're finding that out. <laughs> yes. So sometimes it takes a little bit of back and forth um, to find a scripter and then to have that person work on JAWS. And as we all know on this call, as was just demonstrated, you know, technology can be tricky. So the scripter would come in, work with the IT department of your employer and then you know, have to customize the, the JAWS. That depends on what version of JAWS you're going to use, what your employer is actually using. So it can be a little tricky and take some uh, patience. That's a, a good reason to you know, have the commission involved, perhaps to even have a job placement specialist involved with your commission counselor um, you know, to make sure that, that everyone is understanding what's happening. So as you just identified, I encourage you to talk with your counselor about that, I would encourage anyone to, and we should have the resources. If anyone is bumping into struggle with that resources, um, just continue to ask the counselor, the senior counselor, the district manager um, of uh, any office, and um, we should be able to put that, that in motion. Awesome. Uh, Brian, I have another question also, yep. again, on a very different level. Um, I'm getting some questions from people, or some complaints, actually, from people that, uh, old you know people who are not working who are retired 
uh, who have vision change or have lost their sight. Uh, and I don't know where this is at, but they're saying that they're not able to get VRT training at home because they are not in a employment, you know, in the work employment system. And I was under the impression that, no, the commission does provide training for those people who do need it, even if they're not working. So I'd like you to confirm that. Oh, yes. Um, thank you, Roseanne. I would certainly confirm that. And depending upon the circumstances, um, the two programs certainly that come to mind, depending again on um, age and other factors, one would be our independent living um, program in terms of um, you know, some of those basic needs that from what you described, Roseanne, um, you know, generally could fit in there. Um, similar needs too for those who would be 55 and older and you did say retired so um, mm -hmm. you know, I yes. think maybe that's what you're saying is that if the individual is eligible oh absolutely with those services um, assisted li um, living program out um, the individual again if eligible depending on a few factors um, BRT services are very available Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. And I will pass that on because that was my assumption. Uh, but I wanted to confirm that with you for sure. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you, Roseanne. All right. We have Michael Gassel. You may unmute. Good morning, Brian. Good Thank morning, Mike. For, Thank you for uh, doing this as usual every year with us. My question, I'm, I'm as you, I'm, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm the treasurer of the organization now, so mm -hmm. my question is financial. With COVID-19, has the budget of the commission been impacted? I know the state's budget has been impacted dramatically. Washington has going through what Washington's going through. So, can you give us a little update on where the commission's budget stands in regard to services? Yes, absolutely, Mike, and I do appreciate that question. Um, I could run down this whole list, and we have Nat Byer on this call, who um, also um, has quite a long list, quite honestly, of things that we haven't been doing, so therefore it's not costing us. Um, our staff hasn't been traveling. Some of the referrals, particularly when we were on pause, um, were lagging. We... Um, went to, very successfully, we went to a remote platform for our pre-college program, mm -hmm. but it didn't cost as much as we had budgeted and anticipated. And the list absolutely goes on, Mike. So mm -hmm. in terms of the impact of our federal VR dollars, our budget is very, very healthy. Um, our government is on record um, as saying that all bills will be delayed um, 30 days, um, which sometimes could mean, quite honestly, um, tacking on another 30 days um, to, um, to bills that sometimes take a few months to pay. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's state dollars as well. Um, you know, that fund a few things, including, I would point out, um, sponsorships for conferences and conventions like this, 
which we regret we were not able um, to provide this year because those are with our state dollars um, for which we are um, this year more restricted. Um, so on, on, the, on the side where there might be some needs for our state dollars um, could um, be a little trickier, but all that being said, um, this summer's um, children's programs were fully funded and all programs that, um, especially um, most of which um, came up with um, remote alternatives um, were funded and continued to have their programs too. So um, the last word for sure, Mike and everybody else that I would um, use to describe the financial situation of the Commission for the Blind is crisis, thankfully. Thank you, Brian. Phone number ending in 908, you may unmute. Yes, good morning, it's Kathy again. Um, very quickly with this COVID going on, um, how are you handling mobility issues with regard to face masks? Because sometimes you can get disoriented in trying to do orientation and mobility. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, first of all, um, if these services are being delivered by your commission, um, we are required um, to, at a minimum, um, to be wearing masks. Of course, that's the law right now and this is an expectation um, in the state of New York. But we also offer all sorts of personal protective equipment um, to our staff as well. Um, our staff, our um, mobility instructors and VRTs have access to gloves, they have access to face shields. Um, Barbara Kellerman, our deputy director who just joined the call um, just a little while ago is a great advocate um, for those PPEs for our staff. In terms of our service providers, um, they are also following those rules. Um, we do um, procure our PPE from different sources, um, but I know that they are using them as well. Um, I do understand that some of our, um, the providers, um, um, our contractor agencies, um, in some cases could be using tethers. And I do believe that they are using, and I'm just sort of I'm, I'm the least techie guy, but they're, I think they're sort of like Bluetooth listening devices. So one can keep a social distance and be able to communicate um, through headsets and devices, um, the instructor to the instructee. So, um, you know, as we had said earlier, um, some of these services, as Jason said, they, they really have to be um, delivered in person. So when they are, um, we're very careful. One thing I would also add is in that caution too, some of the things that we used to do, um, we do not do anymore, um, which includes um, transporting a service participant um, for services. Okay, I think we kind of misunderstood here. What I meant was teaching the client Hello. orientation and mobility because of the um, using the face mask kind of disorients them. Okay, I, I, I'll tell you, Kathy, I haven't heard that. 
Um, I don't know if anybody else wants to speak to that. This is Robert White, uh, formerly a uh, TVI with the New York City Public Schools, now retired. Hi, Brian. Um, how have you found the uh, remote, uh, college students doing with remote learning? Um, boy, I'll tell you, from the feedback that we have gotten, firstly, um, the transition into remote um, learning um, in the middle of a semester last spring overall, um, and I wouldn't say overall, I'd say across the board, um, was very smooth. Um, many of those um, students had been trained, um, you know, in their adaptive equipment, and many um, were used in one shape or form to um, remote contact and remote education. For, so for some, it was a very, very smooth transition. Um, I don't know, and I honestly didn't hear of many bumps um, along the way. Um, and as far as I understood, again, in terms of the smoothness of the transition, not only were the problems um, on our end, so to speak, very, very limited, um, I don't believe we knew of one example where the college platform was inaccessible to the student. So that added to the smoothness of this. And what was of great value to us as well is that our tech centers, our ATCs were available as well to troubleshoot. And the most extreme cases that I heard about um, were easily solved when the ATC had the means to be able to go right into the computer of the individual and be able to correct the problem. Um, I know of no issues or problems um, where the um, grades of the students have diminished. Um, and I would turn to others on our staff um, to speak um, to any of this, including any of the problems that they saw that I'm not speaking about because to be honest with you, I'm not aware of them and the significant ones um, do come to my attention. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Kathy. I just wanna ask two questions about the ALP. Um, yep. Is it still limited to $548 every two years? Well, um, Whatever it is that we're paying for it now, which is, um, I do think it's a little bit more than that, um, but um, the policy is still that it's every two years. And uh, of course there's exceptions to that and there always are exceptions to our rules. So if there is a, a significant change um, and therefore a need um, within that two year period, um, another referral for out uh, can certainly be made. So for example, um, if a person loses more vision, um, if a person moves um, significantly enough to need uh, more services, um, if a person relocates um, to a new home um, and needs O&M and um, VRT and some other services, um, that also is um, an exception to that two-year rule. But yeah, that standard is still there, Kathy. Thank you. And the other question is, are they yet able to provide computer training, iPhone training, smartphone training? Oh, Kathy, that's number one on my wish list. Um, and I get that question probably more than any other question um, in forums like this, 
in um, other uh, forums where there is advocacy. And um, the ACB um, through the NYVRA, um, I think um, continues to do a good job to advocate um, for more money in the system. And one of the three um, primary um, hopes of that advocacy is that there will be technology um, services that can be offered in the future um, with the ALP program. And, you know, I revealed my age earlier, I'm 58. If I wasn't working, I would qualify for the ALP program. I don't know. I, I imagine it's possible that I would ask for tech services before I would ask for O&M. I don't know. I would want to be able to email um, my family. I would want to be able to email um, and, and work the computer to be able to do uh, my job. Um, you know, my 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 not my employment job, but just to be able to live my life. So yeah. I recognize that and acknowledge that. And this is a changing world. And what we hope um, to do is to be able to uh, provide this um, type of service in the future when funding is more solid or, or funding is more robust, I should say. And just an FYI, in the Buffalo area, the Apple store, except when COVID hit, was providing lessons on the iPhone, iPad, i whatever, to visually impaired, in other words, voiceover clients, free of charge, once a week. So I don't know if other Apple locations are doing that, but I learned an awful lot through that service. And Ning in 994. This is Meryl Schechter, originally from New York. Hello, New York. Um, and uh, I'm in Windsor Mill, Maryland uh, now. I'm the Vice President of the American Council of the Blind of Maryland, and I'm also the head of our convention committee, so I'd love to invite you next year, guys, for our convention. But anyway, I just this is a comment. I would like to commend the New York State Commission for the Blind because when I went to uh, Adelphi University in Garden City, Long Island, and I went to Fordham in the Bronx, and this was back in the 70s, I didn't have to pay anything. Um, everything was free of charge for uh, the universities and colleges, and I'm very grateful. The other thing is that I um, had help from the Commission for the Blind when I got my first job interview at the IRS. They uh, gave me job readiness and interview skills, and I'm, I'm just grateful, Brian. So I want to thank everybody. Well, Meryl, thank you so much for passing that along. Um, You're welcome. You know, we might not know each other, but I dare say we miss you in New York State. Thank um, you. I, I, hope I you miss <laughs> you guys. I miss you guys, too, very much. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, thank you, Meryl. Uh, You're welcome. Okay, John, you may unmute. Hello, currently unmuted. I'm a former New Yorker so also, no and um, to the lady that was asking or talking about wearing a mask while walking or mobility and the mask um, interfering with 
orientation. I definitely, and I know several people who definitely have this problem. And I think it relates to um, the ability to sense something. Uh, you, you can walk down a hallway, for instance, without a mask and you walk down a hallway, you can tell when you're passing doorways or you come to an intersecting hallway without you know, touching that wall with your cane or otherwise. Um, with the mask on, this definitely goes away. That ability goes away. And I think that's what the young lady was referring to. When I'm out on the street, what I do personally is take the mask off and, um, you know, don't live in New York City, so we don't have crowds on the sidewalk constantly. So I, you know, I can walk a mile or two without ever passing anybody. So that's not a problem here. But um, I guess what um, we need to do is find some way to address the problem with some kind of face cover that doesn't cover probably your cheeks is where, where the sensation comes from. Thank you, John. If I can, I just, it's Jean. I just wanted to comment on, on Merrill's remarks. I evidently went to school at the wrong time because the commission did not pay my full tuition and room and board. <laughs> no offense, Brian. <laughs> you, know, you know what, Jean? No offense taken. Um, I almost said something, but I didn't. So now I'll say it. Um, you know, I, I noted, Merrill, that you had said Adelphi and Fordham, which are both private universities. Um, and at least as of now, our policy is to pay um, fully for SUNY. And whatever that rate is for SUNY, we would apply to a private school and through financial aid or loans or however you would want to make up the difference. Um, that's what we, you know, that would be our policy and what we would do. So, um, you know, and I know I did say before our budget was robust, <laughs> put two and two together. Um, but um, truly, um, um, we're very pleased to be able to do that and also to deliver a um, pre-college program. Um, and so for, um, you know, for Jean and Merrill and others, I don't know if you had ever availed yourself of the, um, of a pre-college program that was in the 1970s, as I understand it. It was in Syracuse, Syracuse University. Syracuse, that's right, that Syracuse, correct. yes. We still talk about things we learned there and they were not necessarily in the books, yes. <laughs> All right, Richard, you may unmute. Well, thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the presentation this morning. Uh, one brief question. The, the money that uh, Kathy Lyons was discussing, uh, the, I believe, a 500 allowance every uh, two years, can that, be used, can that be used for computer training for things such as the uh, Center for Assistive Technology in Buffalo? And, and how does one avail themselves of that money? Thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, what we were referring to was the was our um, assisted living uh, program. Um, and um, that at this time, the services that are included in that are not technology services. 
um, but to acknowledge the advocacy of the ACD and others who are working to trying to change that um, and, and also to increase the re those reimbursements um, um, to a higher level as well and um, to increase the number of um, participants who are receiving these services as well. But at this point, at this time, there are no technology services um, that are offered through that program. Okay, Lori, Lori Scharf, you may unmute. Um, so I just would like to say a couple of things. Um, first of all, um, New York State, we are very lucky to have what we call ALP um, administered very well. And, um, you know, some of the restrictions that are in place are not because of the New York State Commission for the Blind. It's because of how things stand on the federal level. And I think it's important for people to stay involved and understand the differences. There is a big push within uh, the American Council of the Blind nationally in conjunction with, um, oh, I can't think of the name of the organization. Um, but anyway, the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, which is the affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, they are working uh, diligently to promote additional funding um, and also to make changes to the types of services that could be covered under what is federally known as the older blind program. Um, so I think, you know, some of the questions that we hear year after year, people need to realize that it's, it's not the commission for the blind that's putting these constraints, it's on the federal level. Um, additionally, Brian, I really love the fact that you guys are set financially so well. As you know, I moved to a state where we're on order of selection. So it's two and a mm. half years at least before I get orientation and mobility services. Oh, Lori. <laughs> oh, no. Plus well, COVID. So, uh, you know. So, you know, you're always welcome back to the Empire State. You and Mike. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd have to quarantine right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's just two weeks. <laughs> that's true. But I, I do urge anybody that, um, you know, that is uh, listening either, you know, through Zoom or ACB radio, um, ACB nationally is really working hard on developing some papers, uh, both through the Rehabilitation Task Force and the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss uh, regarding services to older blind. And so Jean, Laura, may have, Jean may have more to say on that since she's actually a member of, of that um, chapter. Well, Lori, you know, I would, I would point out that, um, you know, certainly as you well know, at least from everything that has been, that I could see, that your advocacy um, for this has been on the state level. Um, which, you know, so as, as you point out, the federal restrictions are greater. So you're looking at the state where in theory, those restrictions would not exist. Um, yes. Yeah. Right. So, so that's the strategy, which off the record, so to speak, I think is very wise. 
I mean, I'm right now I'm in the uh, rehabilitation teaching program through Hunter. And one of my classes is being taught by Alberta or, and mm. um, those in the aging and vision field know Alberta. She has been working in the field for many, many years. And we have discovered in class discussions, a great variance in some States it's $200. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so, um, you know, because it's a per capita, it's, it's based on population and, uh, you know, those types of things. So, uh, you know, the census that closed yesterday really is important. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. And I'll mute myself. Thank you, Lori. Well, I would say there are no more hands, but let's see if any pop mm -hmm. up. Uh, hey, this is Annie. Um, everybody. Uh, I'd like to comment on two things. Um, one thing is uh, John's comment about the masks. And I thought it was just me that <laughs> experienced the, that lack of sensory information from my face. But so, so now I have confirmation it's other people as well. And um, I want to thank him for, uh, for bringing that out. And, and, and now I understand why I was feeling that is that, you know, our faces have thousands of nerve endings and we just incorporate that into our complete sensory input um, every day of our lives. And we, and we don't realize that how important it is until we don't have it. Just like when we start losing our, our um, hearing as, as well as having our vision loss. Uh, so that, that I want to thank John for that. And the other thing is, uh, you know, I just want to say that uh, um, the commission has supported me throughout my life, um, no matter where my path has taken me. Um, and uh, when I, uh, I left federal service last year, uh, I contacted the commission again and said, you know, um, this is another path in my life that I, I need help with. And I just want to uh, let you know that things are going well. And, uh, you know, I'm back on a different path and the commission's been there all the way. So I want to thank everybody for that. You're here, um, Anne, and, and, and you know what, Annie, that's all on you. It really is. Um, you know how to do it. Um, you do it well. Um, and we're not the magicians. You are. Um, you're the ones who do a lot of the work to get to where you are. Um, you've done that, Annie, and so many of your peers um, here today have too. Yes. That the support's oh. important. So, yeah. yeah thank you. Well, Annie and them, we do not. We do not have. Uh, we do not have any more. Uh, any more questions at this point? Except for the I, dog. I hear a canine question. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say the dogs have, have the hour. Yeah. Well, well, I I understand dog language. I'm a dog whisperer, and and he's very satisfied with the commission. Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> Meryl, what I was going to ask Brian is if they still have another summer program because before I got my first job. In 1977, I was a peer counselor at Queensboro Community College, and they had a summer program for blind students that were going into college in the fall. And so I taught Braille and music to them. And some of them <clears throat> were living in the dorms at Hofstra University in Hempstead, Long Island, and others commuted during the, you know, back and forth. So I'm wondering if they still have that program. 
I am not aware of that program. I don't Oh, okay. All right. Thank you. Um, Lynn, if I may, um, it's Jean. Um, Lori mentioned the the paper that the um, the, uh, uh, aging, uh, I should know the name of it, I'm a member, Alliance of Aging and Vision Loss um, group is working on, and I don't really know too much about it, but if anybody wants to ask questions, Jeff Tom who's the president will be on the program tomorrow afternoon. So I'm sure you will have plenty to say about it. Raheel, I know that the Commission for the Blind is a good service, but um, how does that work for people that in general that wanna attend Visions for the summer program? Is that like a, I think it's a free program. That's what I've, that's what I've done so far for the, six days program or the weekend family program, but they also have an independent living five week program. How did that come to play? Well, excuse me. I, I, I can't speak for the um, visions program. I would recommend um, Raheel that you um, talk to your counselor about the program. Um, your counselor um, should either be knowledgeable or if not knowledgeable can certainly get the information um, on the program um, and work with you um, on that possibility of a referral. Yeah, and, um, and, and do you guys ever distribute white canes anymore or not really for people who are blind and visually impaired? Oh, well, we, we, we can certainly um, connect you um, and get a um, white cane in your hand pretty quickly um, if you need one. One of the things okay. that always disturbs me is that every year I look at the unemployment for blind people, and it's always either 75% or more. Is the New York State Commission for the Blind doing anything to at least try to improve the employment prospects for people who are visually impaired? I work for the state, and without the commission's help, I probably would have never gotten the job. I spent 30 years as a computer programmer, so I'm just curious to know what, what employment uh, recruitment you guys are involved with or, or working in that area, sir. Well, um, yes, thank you very much um, for that question, Mr. Bennett. Um, New York State, a few years ago, um, mirroring the federal government, um, created a program called Employment First. Um, and the goal of Employment First was to um, increase or decrease, I should say, the unemployment rate um, by 5%. Um, we all knew at the time that that was very ambitious. So the Commission for the Blind um, in any given year um, has been known to increase our own employment rate um, by 5%. And yet, and then we're, we're commended for it. We do it all together, we do it and we do it well. And we say 5% increase in many years is really good. But what we recognize is that it doesn't move the needle, so to speak. And that within our realm, and the world that we work with and the population that participate in our services, that 5% within our own world might be good and commendable, but it's not going to have an impact on that big, big 
number. So we continue to work as we do. We continue to work with our private agencies who are developing new programs and new curricula all the time that help with that increase in that 5%. But even if we were to double this um, year after year after year, even our little commission for the blind and your little commission for the blind would struggle to be able to move that needle. Brian, this is Karen. I, um, hey, Karen. Hi. It's, it's one of those topics where I can be on my deathbed, but I have to unmute to comment on. Um, statistics say, yes, that, you know, it's a very small percentage of blind people that are employed. I want people to really understand how skewed that number is. We are talking about um, blindness sometimes is a secondary disability. We all know that. So when you take people that just have blindness and no other disabilities, I believe that the employment rate is much higher than that. And I would go so far as to say, especially here in New York State, with the different programs and the hard work of the Commission for the Blind and all the programs out there for just blind individuals. Um, I wish there was a way we could statistically prove what I'm saying is accurate. Unfortunately, there isn't. But there are many more people working that do not have secondary disabilities. Thank you, and I'm gonna mute myself again. Thank you, Carrie. All right, uh, Lori Scharf, you may unmute. Hi, everybody again. Um, so I would just like to add to the comments, New York State actually has one of the highest employment rates and has been recognized on the federal level for their success rate, um, success placement rate of people who are blind. Additionally, there are many jobs that go unfilled. Um, there are agencies such uh, like uh, Carrie Laney spoke about earlier, <clears throat> both across the country, and I, I don't know the rate in New York State, but I do know in other parts of the country, sometimes contracts have to be turned down because blind people are not interested in taking the jobs. So we do need to be careful though when we talk about these things because sometimes people can get a little too comfortable shall we say um additionally collectively i think everybody needs to be aware that there currently is a request for comments to move the social security ticket to work program over from the social security administration to the department of labor my personal opinion is that that could have negative consequences for people who are blind specifically. Um, and I would hope that New York State, ACB and ACB nationally, I know, is working on some comments in those areas. So I'm looking down the attendees list too. And there's somebody I've interacted with here and there um, over the years. Um, and you may not 
think I'm necessarily going to be talking about you, Anne Parsons, out there, but I am. Um, and I've told you in the past, um, every month um, on the first of the month um, at 5 a.m., and I am an early riser, um, my cell phone goes ding, and I get a message from you from your portal tutoring. Um, so I always know from that that um, you're doing well. I also see that from um, what you send out at the end of the year. And the reason I'm pointing this out too is that perhaps you recall, Anne, that I met, we met, I think for the first time right around 2003, 2004, when the Rochester office was becoming um, an outstation. And understandably, there were some concerns in the Rochester community about um, would services be diminished. And there were a few people who were there. And one of those who were along with you, Anne, um, was Irma Herzog. And um, I know that Irma um, was active um, in the ACB. And I just learned coincidentally this morning, um, very sadly, that we lost Irma. Um, she passed on October 5th. And I don't know who here might know Irma or have known Irma. Um, or known that she passed, but I wanted to acknowledge that and that um, she, along with other advocates in Rochester, um, including you, Anne, um, have been a, um, very much a blessing with your advocacy um, on the system. First of all, I'd like to thank you, Brian, for your, your compliments and, um, and they're returned in, in full measure. I. Uh, I, uh, what I can say as far as portal tutoring goes, I am, I'm here, I'm available, um, and, uh, one of the comments that was made was where some people were teaching Braille with outdated materials, um, the... American Printing House for the Blind now has the Illinois Braille series out in UED. And so long as uh, the commission is willing to pay for textbooks for, um, for its clientele, uh, there should be no reason for them to lack um, accurate and uh, Braille materials. Uh, the other thing is, yes, uh, we did lose Irma, and we're sad about that. And um, uh, we, you know, we we miss her greatly, um, as well as other advocates that we've lost over the years, including uh, Lisa Hoffman and and so forth, um, and uh, our our good friend Jean. Uh, M.J. Schmidt, who uh, was instrumental in, in getting this, this chapter of ACBNY started in the first place. So um, I guess I'd, I'd just like to say that, that uh, I'm very happy to be able to participate in, a, in an organization 
with so many fine uh, members and to thank the commission for their time and efforts on our behalf. Thank you. Well, I will make my parting words. Brian, uh, this is Karen. Oh, Karen. Um, I, I would certainly like to, on behalf of the American Council of the Blind of New York, thank you as always uh, for the town hall meetings that you do during our conventions. It's always a pleasure having you and your staff. And it's always informative. Um, you always you always bring something to the table. And I just commend you and your staff um, and want to thank you. And we all show you the utmost respect and very well deserved. Well, thank you so much, Karen. And you know, once again, from what I said before, um, all of those things, I'm really looking forward to working with you um, for the coming year on behalf of the ACB, as well as with your membership um, directly. Um, please remember um, all that I am very much available. Um, it's easier now for all of us too. Um, if you ever want me to attend um, or any member of our staff to attend any of your local meetings, um, we are certainly available um, to, to have um, discussions um, on any um, topics that you may want. So um, we really appreciate your strong advocacy out there. Um, we need it now uh, more than ever. Um, it is um, just absolutely a pleasure um, to be here. Um, with you today. And I know I speak for our staff um, who are here as well. Thank you, Brian. This is Annie. Uh, if no one else has any final comments, I think we're going to, uh, we're going to end our session. I just want to thank everybody for coming. And uh, so we're going to lead out of this uh, uh, town hall meeting with, um, with Brian Daniels and um, the commission counselors and all of our guests and members. Uh, and um, I'm going to have some, um, some messages uh, play uh, uh, after this. Uh, and then at 1 p.m., we're going to have our opening ceremony and followed by our presentation by Peter Kay and Spectrum. And then after our spectrum presentation, we're going to continue with our program, and uh, uh, and that includes our business meeting, some some more messages, and then we wrap up the end of the day with a very special presentation by Stan Holbrook on diversity and intersectionality. So I want to thank everybody and uh, thank Lynn for hosting, um, and thank everybody for their questions, ACB Radio team and. Um, and our guests. And uh, that concludes uh, our town hall program. Thank you, everyone. Thank, thank you, you, everybody. Have a wonderful you. convention. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, thank you, Andy. Thanks, everyone. Karen, everyone. Thank you. Okay. Bye, all. Thank you. Bye. And it's Jean, if I could just make a quick comment. It's nice to, uh, nice to have some former members showing up at our convention, and I, uh, Meryl, and I heard John Harden's voice from Florida. John was one of the original members, I believe. And uh, John's an old friend of mine in more ways than one, right, John?
So I just want to thank all of you who used to be members um, for, for joining in today, and I hope that you stay with us the rest of the weekend. Welcome to this sample of Newsreel Magazine. In the next few minutes, you'll learn what Newsreel is and how to subscribe. At the end of this sample, we're offering a free three-month trial of Newsreel. This is Erwin Hot. I'm editor of Newsreel Magazine by and for the blind. It's monthly and available in a variety of formats. Newsreel is unique in that many of the articles are submitted in the voices of our blind or visually impaired subscribers. Newsreel was founded in 1958 by Stanley Doran, founder of Pilot Dogs and co-founder of the Central Ohio Radio Reading Service. I'm Erwin Hott. I'm also a founder of the Central Ohio Radio Reading Service and have been involved with Newsreel since the mid-1980s as editor for more than 20 years. Each issue has from 55 to 60 articles on topics such as mobility, traveling with a guide dog and or a cane, recipes, book reviews, poetry, music, technology, demonstrations, and much, much more. Here are a few snippets from recent issues. This is Dana Ard. I am wondering what people know about the various smart TVs that are now out there. This is Joan Andrews in Ashtabula, Ohio. I think televisions have gotten really pretty uh, accessible. Paul and I just bought two new televisions, one for downstairs and one for up here. This new uh, LG television that we have, it has Braille on the remote. It says P for power next to the power button, and uh, it says V next to the volume button. The volume will speak and tell you what level it's on, and it says C next to the channel button. Paul got a second television for downstairs, and uh, it talks, too. They both do. If you push the mute button, it says mute, and then when you turn the sound back on, it says volume, and it'll tell you what level you're at. It also has one that's labeled accessibility. Thank you. This is Charles Dickens in Sacramento. The lady that talked about she wasn't able to follow TV because she has a hearing problem. I have hearing aids that uh, have two microphones on and I can adjust them. And one is the TV mold. On the hearing aids, I have what they call the T-coil mold that you get a device and you hook it up to your TV and you can hear through the hearing aids. Now I'm going to get Bluetooth hearing aids that you can do the same thing. From Tom Kaufman and David Goldfield. DoorDash now offers grocery delivery. The company said Thursday it's partnering with Meyer and Fresh Time to deliver to customers in Chicago, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. This is Tom Likens. Does anybody know about the chameleon Braille note taker that is uh, manufactured by Humanware. Thank you. This is Nolan Crabb. I am looking today at a book that I'm hopeful you'll enjoy. And, and if you enjoy a good police procedural and a mystery, this will absolutely rock your house. The Night Fire, Renee Ballard, number three, Harry Bosch, number 22, by Michael Conley. From Nancy Scott. 
Pandemics teach things. Don't take anything for granted. Don't put things off. Entrepreneurs can be clever. Fun is hopeful. Fun with other people is more hopeful. And magic can appear with the addition or subtraction of one ingredient. Al Subiaga with a question. I was wondering if any of you, especially you totals, had ever cut your own grass, and if so, how did you do it? That's it for this sample of Newsreel Magazine, Vine for the Blind. For more information, call us at 614-469-0700 or 888-723-8737. We are offering a three-month trial of Newsreel Magazine for free. It's available on NLS-type cartridge or a thumb drive as a download from our website on 4-track cassette or an MP3 CD. Our email is info, I-N-F-O, at newsreelmag.org. Thanks for listening. My name is Christopher Burke. I'm the Executive Director of the Northeastern Association of the Blind. On behalf of everyone at NABA, I would like to congratulate the American Council of the Blind of New York for their 50 years of dedicated service to the blind community and for their unwavering commitment to advocating and promoting the issues and actions that have improved lives of blind New Yorkers. NABA is proud to be a partner with ACB and we will continue to work together to provide services and supports that help us fulfill our mission to help people who are blind or visually impaired achieve independence and growth. I very much look forward to the years ahead and our continued success. Congratulations, ACB, for all that you have achieved and all that is yet to come. Thank you. The New York State School for the Blind wants to congratulate the American Council of the Blind of New York, Incorporated, on its 50 years of advocacy. The School for the Blind truly recognizes the commitment your organization has made to the lives and families of people with visual impairments. We appreciate and value your hard work and success in advocating and providing resources to ensure people are educated in knowing that blindness is not the characteristic that defines you or your future. We also want to recognize our alumni who are dedicated members of your organization. Our alumni are proof you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. Best wishes. Hi, my name's Lena. I'm the Marketing Manager for Orchem Technologies, and I'm here today with my colleague, Dr. Brian Walensky, and we're going to just be talking about the latest developments of Orchem. Can you tell me about yourself? Hi, my name is Dr. Brian Walensky. I'm an optometrist in New York City, and one of my specialties is low vision rehabilitation. So what is the Orchem MyEye? The Orchem MyEye is the world's most advanced wearable assistive technology that was designed for people who are blind, visually impaired, or have reading challenges. The device is about the size of your finger and attaches magnetically to most any eyeglasses. Specifically, how the device works is that it takes a photograph or picture of the visual information and then speaks back that information auditorily to the user through a speaker next to the ear or through a Bluetooth headset or headphones. The device function specifically is reading. It's able to read off of any surface. That includes computer screens and smartphones. OrCam also has facial recognition, also recognizes barcodes, products, paper money, colors, 
and has a tell time feature. So I'd also like to introduce the smart reading feature, and it works like so. Smart reading. Ready. Read the headlines. Found two headlines. First result. Women dominate Booker Prize list. Second result. Venice plans to hold its film festival. Read the first article. Women dominate Booker Prize list by Alex Marshall. Hilary Mantel and Anne Tyler are among the early nominees. London. Hilary Mantel's The Mirror. I am listening. And smart reading is that easy. What is the OrCam Read? OrCam Read is OrCam's newest device, which is a reading device, and it's handheld. Just recently launched in March of 2020, OrCam Read is just that. It is a reading assistive technology device. Leveraging off of OrCam's already computer vision technology, OrCam Read is very helpful for someone to read text. And what it does is you can read text not only a whole entire page, but also from anywhere you want within that text. With OrCam Read, you can read from anywhere you want in the text, a paragraph of the text, or even a whole page. And this is done through its laser guidance system. It has a point and click operation function where you just press on a trigger button, which activates a laser light that comes out. There are two different laser lights that come out. One is a cursor, and another one is a bounding box, bounding the area of where you want it to read. So the cursor you would use to start from anywhere you want within the text. So if it's a newspaper, I could start at one article or another, or if it's a book, I can start in the middle of the book or the top of the page. If I want the whole page, all I need to utilize is the bounding box laser, and I bound the whole page, and it will read from the whole page. Or if I just want to get a paragraph, all I need to do is outline that paragraph and OrCam Read will instantly start reading to the user. So who may be the potential users of OrCam's devices? OrCam products can be used by people who are blind or visually impaired or by people who are auditory readers or have reading difficulties like people who have dyslexia. It could be used by anyone of any age, any technological ability, and any type of vision loss no matter what eye condition they have. So where would people be using their OrCam device? At work or in their personal life? Well, the answer is both. People can use OrCam at work, in their personal life, and even in school. There are many users that I've seen using OrCam at work in many different ways. They have a meeting and they go to a, or they go to a boardroom and they're given a piece of paper and they can read the information right there and then. Or they can read something off their computer screen. And even because OrCam is portable, they could take it on the go. And as everybody now is working from home, OrCam could be used in the home. But not only for work. OrCam is used in people's personal lives. People can use OrCam, again, for reading, for facial recognition. Shopping independently is a big feature. But OrCam could be used anywhere. Reading your mail, reading a menu at a restaurant. And in school, OrCam could be very useful as well. So how would the OrCam device be helpful in the workplace? OrCam devices can be very helpful in the workplace. Specifically, it's reading function. Someone can walk into a board meeting, be handed an agenda, and read the information right there and then, without having to go somewhere else and scan it and then listen to it. 
So very helpful in that it's portable. As well as when you're at work, there is a socialization factor at work. So the facial recognition feature really comes in handy. As we know, 70% of people who are blind and visually impaired are either unemployed or underemployed. This technology that OrCam offers really levels the playing field and helps the people succeed at their job, creating possibly even other opportunities. Contact Evan Cannon at OrCam for any questions or to learn how you can qualify for a limited time 10% discount. Please email evan.cannon at orcam.com or call 
Abby Taylor with Behind Our Eyes. We are a writer's organization that is open to authors with all disabilities, not just those with blindness or low vision. We meet at least three times a month via phone conference for critique sessions, panel discussions, guest speakers, and more, and have a lot of fun. We have an email list where members can share their work and where announcements of upcoming activities are posted. We have published two anthologies of our members' poems, stories, and essays, and are working on a third. We also produce an online journal called Magnets and Ladders. For more information and to join, visit www.behindoureyes.org. That's www.behindoureyes.org. If you have questions, you can email me at abbytaylor945 at gmail.com. That's A-B-B-I-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R-945 at gmail.com. Hello, this is Anne from Tangible Surface Research. I hope all is well and that you are staying active and healthy. I'm the creator of the Halos Tactile Icons, those shaped stickers that identify the location and function of buttons on your home appliances. My Tactile Icon sticker packages are available in high contrast orange, black, and clear. Well, this year we're adding another variation, which is multicolor. For example, the start icons are green and the stop icons are red. You can find the new multicolor packages at my Etsy store, which is halosystem.etsy.com. That is H-A-L-O-S-Y-S-T-E-M dot E-T-S-Y dot com. All other Halos Tactile Icon packages are available from Independent Living Aids and LSNS. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch, and I hope to see you next year. Hello, my name is Christopher Burke. I'm the Executive Director of the Northeastern Association of the Blind. On behalf of everyone at NABA, I would like to congratulate the American Council of the Blind of New York for their 50 years of dedicated service to the blind community and for their unwavering commitment to advocating and promoting the issues and actions that have improved lives of blind New Yorkers. NABA is proud to be a partner with ACB and we will continue to work together to provide services and supports that help us fulfill our mission to help people who are blind or visually impaired achieve independence and growth. I very much look forward to the years ahead and our continued success. Congratulations, ACB, for all that you have achieved and all that is yet to come. Thank you.
Welcome to this sample of Newsreel Magazine. The Newsreel. In the next few minutes, you'll learn what Newsreel is and how to subscribe. The Newsreel. At the end of this sample, we're offering a free three-month trial of Newsreel. The Newsreel. This is Erwin Hot. I'm editor of Newsreel Magazine by and for the blind. It's monthly and available in a variety of formats. Newsreel is unique in that many of the articles are submitted in the voices of our blind or visually impaired subscribers. Newsreel was founded in 1958 by Stanley Doran, founder of Pilot Dogs and co-founder of the Central Ohio Radio Reading Service. I'm Erwin Hott. I'm also a founder of the Central Ohio Radio Reading Service and have been involved with Newsreel since the mid-1980s as editor for more than 20 years. Each issue has from 55 to 60 articles on topics such as mobility, traveling with a guide dog and or a cane, recipes, book reviews, poetry, music, technology, demonstrations, and much, much more. Here are a few snippets from recent issues. This is Dana Ard. I am wondering what people know about the various smart TVs that are now out there. This is Joan Andrews in Ashtabula, Ohio. I think televisions have gotten really pretty uh, accessible. Paul and I just bought two new televisions, one for downstairs and one for up here. This new uh, LG television that we have, it has Braille on the remote. It says P for power next to the power button, and uh, it says V next to the volume button. The volume will speak and tell you what level it's on, and it says C next to the channel button. Paul got a second television for downstairs, and uh, it talks, too. They both do. If you push the mute button, it says mute, and then when you turn the sound back on, it says volume, and it'll tell you what level you're at. It also has one that's labeled accessibility. Thank you. This is Charles Dickens in Sacramento. The lady that talked about she wasn't able to follow TV because she has a hearing problem. I have hearing aids that uh, have two microphones on and I can adjust them. And one is the TV mold. On the hearing aids, I have what they call the T-coil mold that you get a device and you hook it up to your TV and you can hear through the hearing aids. Now I'm going to get Bluetooth hearing aids that you can do the same thing. From Tom Kaufman and David Goldfield. DoorDash now offers grocery delivery. The company said Thursday it's partnering with Meyer and Fresh Time to deliver to customers in Chicago, Cincinnati, Milwaukee. This is Tom Likens. Does anybody know about the chameleon Braille note-taker that is uh, manufactured by Humanware. Thank you. This is Nolan Crabb. I am looking today at a book that I'm hopeful you'll enjoy. And, and if you enjoy a good police procedural and a mystery, this will absolutely rock your house. The Night Fire, Renee Ballard, number three, Harry Bosch, number 22, by Michael Conley. From Nancy Scott. Pandemics teach things. Don't take anything for granted. Don't put things off. Entrepreneurs can be clever. Fun is hopeful. 
fun with other people is more hopeful, and magic can appear with the addition or subtraction of one ingredient. Al Subiaga with a question. I was wondering if any of you, especially you totals, had ever cut your own grass, and if so, how did you do it? That's it for this sample of Newsreel Magazine, Vine for the Blind. For more information, call us at 614-469-0700 or 888-723-8737. We are offering a three-month trial of Newsreel Magazine for free. It's available on NLS-type cartridge or a thumb drive as a download from our website on 4-track cassette or an MP3 CD. Our email is info, I-N-F-O, at newsreelmag.org. Thanks for listening. The New York State School for the Blind wants to congratulate the American Council of the Blind of New York, Incorporated, on its 50 years of advocacy. The School for the Blind truly recognizes the commitment your organization has made to the lives and families of people with visual impairments. We appreciate and value your hard work and success in advocating and providing resources to ensure people are educated in knowing that blindness is not the characteristic that defines you or your future. We also want to recognize our alumni who are dedicated members of your organization. Our alumni are proof you can live the life you want. Blindness is not what holds you back. Best wishes. Hi, my name's Lena. I'm the Marketing Manager for Orchem Technologies, and I'm here today with my colleague, Dr. Brian Walensky, and we're going to just be talking about the latest developments of Orchem. Can you tell me about yourself? Hi, my name is Dr. Brian Walensky. I'm an optometrist in New York City, and one of my specialties is low vision rehabilitation. So what is the Orchem My Eye? The Orchem My Eye is the world's most advanced wearable 
assistive technology that was designed for people who are blind, visually impaired, or have reading challenges. The device is about the size of your finger and attaches magnetically to most any eyeglasses. Specifically, how the device works is that it takes a photograph or picture of the visual information and then speaks back that information auditorily to the user through a speaker next to the ear or through a Bluetooth headset or headphones. The device function specifically is reading. It's able to read off of any surface. That includes computer screens and smartphones. OrCam also has facial recognition, also recognizes barcodes, products, paper money, colors, and has a tell time feature. So I'd also like to introduce the smart reading feature, and it works like so. Smart reading. Ready. Read the headlines. Found two headlines. First result. Women dominate Booker Prize list. Second result. Venice plans to hold its film festival. Read the first article. Women dominate Booker Prize list by Alex Marshall. Hilary Mantle and Ann Tyler are among the early nominees. London, Hilary Mantle's The Mirror. I am listening. And smart reading is that easy. What is the OrCam Read? OrCam Read is OrCam's newest device, which is a reading device, and it's handheld. Just recently launched in March of 2020, OrCam Read is just that. It is a reading assistive technology device. Leveraging off of OrCam's already computer vision technology, OrCam Read is very helpful for someone to read text. And what it does is you can read text not only a whole entire page, but also from anywhere you want within that text. With OrCam Read, you can read from anywhere you want in the text, a paragraph of the text, or even a whole page. And this is done through its laser guidance system. It has a point and click operation function where you just press on a trigger button, which activates a laser light that comes out. There are two different laser lights that come out. One is a cursor, and another one is a bounding box, bounding the area of where you want it to read. So the cursor you would use to start from anywhere you want within the text. So if it's a newspaper, I could start at one article or another, or if it's a book, I can start in the middle of the book or the top of the page. If I want the whole page, all I need to utilize is the bounding box laser, and I bound the whole page, and it will read from the whole page. Or if I just want to get a paragraph, all I need to do is outline that paragraph and OrCam Read will instantly start reading to the user. So who may be the potential users of OrCam's devices? OrCam products can be used by people who are blind or visually impaired or by people who are auditory readers or have reading difficulties like people who have dyslexia. It could be used by anyone of any age, any technological ability, and any type of vision loss no matter what eye condition they have. So where would people be using their OrCam device? At work or in their personal life? Well, the answer is both. People can use OrCam at work, in their personal life, and even in school. There are many users that I've seen using OrCam at work in many different ways. They have a meeting and they go to a, or they go to a boardroom and they're given a piece of paper and they can read the information right there and then. 
or they can read something off their computer screen. And even because OrCam is portable, they could take it on the go and, as everybody now is working from home, OrCam could be used in the home. But not only for work. OrCam is used in people's personal lives. People can use OrCam, again, for reading, for facial recognition, shopping independently is a big feature, but OrCam can be used anywhere. Reading your mail, reading a menu at a restaurant, and in school, OrCam could be very useful as well. So how would the OrCam device be helpful in the workplace? OrCam devices can be very helpful in the workplace. Specifically, it's reading function. Someone could walk into a board meeting, be handed an agenda, and read the information right there and then without having to go somewhere else and scan it and then listen to it. So very helpful in that it's portable. As well as when you're at work, there is a socialization factor at work. So the facial recognition feature really comes in handy. As we know, 70% of people who are blind and visually impaired are either unemployed or underemployed. This technology that OrCam offers really levels the playing field and helps the people succeed at their job, creating possibly even other opportunities. Contact Evan Cannon at OrCam for any questions or to learn how you can qualify for a limited time 10% discount. Please email evan.cannon at orcam.com or call 631-766-0016. All right, everybody, this is Jason Castingway with ACB Radio, and we are getting ready to resume uh, activity for the ACB of New York 50th Annual Convention. Uh, we are just a few minutes from the top of the hour and um, I want to allow people in the Zoom room to be able to organize themselves if they need to. So I'm going to uh, mute from the Zoom room so that you can all talk, and I will continue to play some music until everyone is ready. You're very welcome. <laughs> okay, let me get back to some music here. The stream is on, the stream is on, but nobody can hear you. Okay, sorry, just helping those in the room uh, understand what's happening. So, let me get back to a little more music here. And we'll hear some good things. Hi, my name's Lena. I'm the marketing manager for Orchem Technologies, and I'm here to... Thank you. 
give me a moment. Let me turn off the music. Okay, we are ready to go back. Let me make sure that Zoom is included. And we are good. Welcome back, everybody. Um, this is President Karen Blackowitz, and I would like to welcome everybody to the 2020 American Council of the Blind New York State Convention. Uh, we would like to thank uh, ACB Radio for everything they've done. I'd like to give a special thank you to our convention chair, Ann Chapetta, who has worked so hard in getting this convention pulled together. And without her, I don't know what any of us would do. She's an amazing secretary and a wonderful chair of this convention. This is 50 years of advocacy. This is a big year. As, as we all know, the convention was originally supposed to be held in Buffalo, which was the original spot of the American Council of the Blind of New York's very first convention. 1970 was it was a very interesting year, and since everybody decided to disclose their age this morning, I just wanted uh, to get the background. I I was actually born in 1970, so as I was growing up, all these folks before me were working hard to build this organization into what it is. And from the bottom of my heart, Annie, as state president, I certainly thank all of those that came before me and those that will certainly come after me. With saying that, welcome, and I hope everybody enjoys the 50th celebration of the American Council of the Blind of New York. Annie, take it. Thank you, Karen. Can everybody say unique New York three times fast and not mess it up? So, <laughs> welcome, everyone, to the 50th um, anniversary of the American Council of the Blind of New York and our first virtual convention. I'm really excited to be here today and uh, the town hall was just great and I want to thank everybody uh, who has any part in making this happen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So moving on, we are going to um, thank some special people today. Um, our virtual sponsorships and exhibitors uh, uh, Spectrum, who is going to be on in a little while um, to do a presentation with Peter Kay. We have OrCam. I'm, I think the OrCam uh, people were on just, just during the break and our pre-recorded message. Northeast Association of the Blind, I think I heard them too. Um, CAPV, Lighthouse Guild, Anne DeWitt and Tangible Surface Research Limited, we heard from her. Behind Our Eyes, and Newsroom Magazine. Uh, and then we also heard from Carrie Laney before at the town hall with the New York State Preferred, um, preferred Source Program. So uh, with, without uh, our sponsors, where would we be? So, um, and I also want to, uh, before we go on and um, do our, uh, do our pledge with Dr. Joe and our invocation and anthem with um, Father John. Uh, I wanna say that uh, yesterday was a momentous day for us. It was White Cane Safety Day. So I wanna uh, say a belated um, celebration day for that. Um, so I don't know if it's appropriate, but happy White Cane Safety Day, everybody. <laughs> uh, and another point, uh, today is National Dictionary Day. Did you know that? That's right, Alexa told me that. And uh, just uh, another point I'd like to 
to bring about, I'm not sure if, if anybody else, but people that are um, on our ACB uh, list, um, we, uh, we recently went into a lawsuit with, um, with New York State to get their mass communications system, online system made accessible to blind and visually impaired, um, thanks to disability rights, um, uh, disability rights New York. Um, so uh, that, that's something we've been working on and that's probably the newest news we have on the legislative front. Uh, so um, uh, our newest special interest group, which actually uh, got chartered last year, but people may not know is the Randall Shepard Vendor um, Group of New York, so the RSVNY. I wanted to give a special shout out to them since they are our newest affiliate and are our, our, our our newest special interest group and uh, New York State is growing with our special interest groups and that's a that's a great thing. So um, I think that's all I have right now and I'm going to move it on to uh, to Dr. Joe Granderson and he's going to take over and uh, uh, lead our Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States, States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Uh, and so next up we have our, um, our national anthem being sung by Father John Sheehan. Wonderful, beautiful. Thank you, Father John. Um, and now we are going to uh, to have an interfaith invocation, also by Father John Sheehan. 
I cannot tell you what a blessing it is for me to be with you. I have just returned from three years in Jordan. And I did take practice walks around Amman with my long white cane just to keep in shape. But it is such a blessing to be back in the United States and to be able to be with you in this new virtual world. So let us pray in thanksgiving for the many gifts God continues to give to us, the inspiration we can be to and for one another, and that we still can come together during these difficult days with this great convention. So let us pray. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of all creation. You have created all things and you have created them and us for a reason. Help us to find you in all the aspects of our lives, the joys and the triumphs, the sorrows and suffering in health, in illness, in youth and in old age, for we know you are there. And sometimes we need help to find you. We need to be reminded that you are always with us. Bless us this day and all the days of this convention. Keep our minds and our hearts open to hear one another as we speak and share our ideas and inspire those who are sharing with us online. We pray today in thanksgiving for all you have given us and especially for the blessing that ACB has been to so many. In thanksgiving for what we have received and in what we have been able to give back. And in a special way today, we pause and remember those, our friends and colleagues, who have returned to you during this past year. As we give thanks for the American Council of the Blind and its officers and its staff and all its work, we thank you that we live in a country where we are free to pursue our dreams, our goals, where we are free to have an influence, where when we are working together, we can change things. In this election time of conflict and uncertainty, we are reminded of the great freedoms that underline our system. And in a special way, we remember the men and women who today stand guard around the world, protecting those freedoms, watch over them and bring them safely home. And so, dear God, today we thank you for all you have given to us, and we ask you to continue to bless us, bless the American Council of the Blind, especially bless the Council here in New York, and bless our country, the United States of America, and together let us say, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father John. Okay, that concludes our... Um, our ceremony for the time being. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to uh, do a little more housekeeping. So reminder that the business meeting is starting a little bit earlier today at 2.15. Um, I believe at 1.30, we have Peter Kay from Spectrum coming on. And we have some interludes until then. Um, after the business meeting, we're going to uh, look forward to, um, to having... Uh, Stanley Holbrook, join us at 5 p.m. for the uh, for the diversity. Um, the sorry, <laughs> the diversity session and presentation and workshop. Uh, and uh, uh, so, I look forward to speaking with you all um, in a little bit uh, more um, with Spectrum. And please keep listening because we have some other great things that we have ready 
to uh, queue up for you. And uh, so we'll speak to you soon. Okay. This is Jason Castingway with ACB Radio, and uh, apparently there's an interlude right here that I didn't realize, so <laughs> I'm going to pick it up with some more music and messages from vendors, because as Ann Chiapetta said, where would we be without our supporting vendors? Jason, if you'd like, I can read some poetry until you're ready. Hey, poetry is wonderful. I got to hear some of that during the earlier break, too. And and uh, I was the one who helped you out with uh, muting some of the background. Oh, <laughs> just that was say you? Anything. <laughs> I'd like to hear some poetry. That'd be okay. nice. All right. Sure. Let's see what I can do. I'll have to redo something I already did, but that's okay. Um, that's okay. It wasn't streamed at the time, so nobody nobody heard it on the stream. The wonders of running early. Right. That's right. Okay, hold on. All right, I'll do this one first. Okay. Cool. Okay. <clears throat> this one is called Dog 2. It's about Paley. Don't, he's not in my office. He's probably upset. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> he's a sweet yellow fellow. Toasted darker on ears and tail tip, gives a nibble and a lick, golden eyes better than cash. He comes with a snow nose and a personality to match. He's tall and silly, works, wags and licks. So far, no one's gotten ticked when he sneaks a kiss. Guiding me around, alert, looking for sights and scents on the bus and on the street. Freedom with four feet. The end. Sweet. <laughs> I like the toasted on on uh, <laughs> ear tips and tail. Me too. <laughs> yeah, you like that? Very descriptive. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. Do we have time for another one? Sure, why uh, not? Okay. Okay. Putting me on the spot here. Let's see. Uh, okay, what was our... Oh, we don't want to do that, but la, you know, la, la, la. it's kind of fun la, at the la, same la. time. Okay, hang on. <laughs> Okay, this this one I um I said before, but uh, I'll do it again. It's called <clears throat> a flaming sword. I am at a conference. Find another person you don't know. Draw a picture of your favorite animal, and write down three things about it. The room quiets. The video plays. The chasm of blindness opens. I hurtled towards the fire. Just one helpful person in that room at that time would have made a difference, smothered the embers. The next day at the conference, my hand raises unnoticed. Humiliation slaps it down, ignites the banked coals. I am not with people. I'm with beings who feed the fire. Later the same day, laughter at a cartoon feeds the pyre. The burn weighs down my hand, and I don't ask for a description. Instead, I imagine being 
a crusading knight accusing them all, shaming them all, passing judgment. I am rage contained, waiting to unleash my wraith against the ignorance, the fuel stoking the furnace. Burn, burn, burn. I wished for a sword of flame, a suit of armor, a crusader's righteousness. I would not have stood hand raised, asking for help if it wasn't needed. I meant nothing. No one noticed until I disappeared. The flames hide the pain. The end. Wow. Very moving. Thank you. Um, that's going to be in a future issue of Breath and Shadow, um, which is an online disability journal. Um, so uh, I think it's going to be out in next month for the winter issue. Oh, great. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, I really like to like perform that like on stage and ha actually have a sword in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not yeah that sword. one sounds angry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> that was very good, though. That Thank you. Uh, so uh, how much more time do we have, do we think? I, I want to make it sure. Is, it is time if Peter is ready. Okay. Oh, great. Okay. Cool. All right. That worked. Thank you, Ann. There he is. Okay. Hi, Peter. Rick, if Hello. you could make let a co-host, please. Go ahead. Am I ready to go? Yeah. Uh, so uh, welcome back, everybody. It's Annie Chapetta uh, again. And uh, so we're going to be hearing from Peter Kay um, from Spectrum. And uh, also we'll be able to take questions once he's done with his presentation. Peter, um, feel free to introduce yourself and, uh, and, and just go for it. And uh, thank you so much for being here today and for, um, for Spectrum's generous sponsorship. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited um, to be joining you all for this year's convention. Um, I believe it's our first, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I haven't seen in our history books that we've um, had this kind of participation in the ACB New York conference. And I'm really excited um, to be here with everyone. So most of you probably know by now that Spectrum has a pretty sizable market in, um, in the New York area. And so um, obviously for that reason, um, we, uh, we drew our attention to New York. And over the last couple of years, we really developed some great friendships with some of the uh, ACB uh, chapters and members out there, uh, especially the New York uh, City chapter. So um, shout out to Terrence out there, Terrence Page. Um, uh, I want to start off just by introducing myself and our team a little bit. Uh, my name is Peter K, as many people call me, or Peter Kuchirave, if you can muster it. Um, and I am with the Spectrum Accessibility Team. Now, the accessibility team, uh, our job within the company, we really, we sit within the product organization and our job is to focus on our products and make sure that they are accessible to customers with disabilities. Now, 
that in the in the last couple of years, we've really started um, expanding our focus to also include uh, services and uh, the way that the way that we service our customers. Because one of the things that we heard a lot was um, that well, I'd like for the customer service to be improved or the field agent that comes out to my home. And so we've really uh, dug our, our feet into those spaces as well. And we've been working with those teams to improve those experiences for customers with disabilities as well. Our team uh, is mostly comprised of developers. Um, about 44% of our team are people with disabilities, uh, blindness and visual impairments being heavily represented in that uh, percentage. So. Uh, we knew that within cable, the cable industry, um, blind people tend to be the first um, in the disability groups that are affected uh, by the way that, you know, if those services are broken or aren't working well. Um, now, obviously, so much of them are visual, so we want to improve that. We want to improve your online experience uh, when you're paying your bill and certainly when uh, you're utilizing services like, um, like the Spectrum Guide. So with that being said, I wanna jump straight in and talk a little bit about um, what you can expect from Spectrum today. So one of the things that um, is we can't, can't not talk about, which is our, our uh, signature flagship product, and that's um, the standard set-top box-based service Spectrum Guide with guide narration. Now, if your box, if you have a box at home and it's, and you'd like for it to talk to you, um, then you absolutely are entitled to that. So I wanna say that straight off the bat, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about with guide narration, um, I really wanna encourage everyone to, um, to call in and make sure that you've got the right box or get the right box. And we'll talk about that in a second. So spectrum guide with guide narration, this, this, is, this is your standard set-top box-based service um, that allows you to navigate the user interface, meaning you can go up and down and left and right through your guide and through your favorites completely accessibly with speech output. Um, and this is, this is available to you with our latest uh, iterations of the Spectrum box. And um, again, like I mentioned earlier, uh, you want to call in and uh, double check to make sure you've got the right box. I'm going to give you the phone number twice today. I'm going to give it to you now and again toward the end, uh, just in case you didn't have a, a way to take that down. So um, the phone number to call in, and this is our um, specialized accessibility team. They've been trained around accessibility. Um, and so they're the ones to call with, with regard to accessibility questions. And that number is one 762 Now, there's a couple of hints that I wanna give everyone. When you're calling in to that particular number, make sure that you mention that you are blind or visually impaired. Uh, we currently uh, uh, instituted a, um, a flagging service that will allow the agents to flag your account um, as person who's blind or visually impaired so that the system can remember that and you can be served as um, according to your needs. And we all know that those needs can change sometimes and it's, it can be really frustrating when you're dealing with a customer service person and, um, and they're just unaware of how to, how to properly address your account or help you with your service. And so um, we put that in to make sure that it's easier 
that it works well for you. Uh, when you mention that you're blind or visually impaired, your account will be flagged. And so uh, from that point on, um, you are going to be, um, your needs are gonna be more customizable uh, moving forward. And we're really improving that as we move forward. So you can expect more there. But um, the great thing there is you can, you can mention that. And um, one of the things that comes with it is any uh, truck roll to your home is entirely free. Uh, so you shouldn't be charged for having your box replaced to get a newer box, um, to, to be able to turn on guide narration. Those kinds of trips to your home are going to be entirely free. Tell them that you, that, that you want to find out if your box um, is guide narration capable. Uh, they'll check the system. If it's not, they'll send a truck to your home, have them replace it, and they'll turn on guide narration for you in your home. Now, I want to also, while we are working with our field agents on training, in order for you to have a great experience, um, I wanna encourage you to also, when you call in, ask for a tier three level or supervisor level uh, field agent if you are needing a truck uh, to come out to your home. That's gonna really ensure that you're getting a person that's really familiar with accessibility training, disability etiquette, and accessibility products and features. Um, that's going to help you out a lot um, as we um, really uh, roll out some, some comprehensive training for field techs. Okay, so now that that's been said, um, you know, we've been talking for, for a few years now about um, the Spectrum Mobile uh, offering that we have. So uh, cable has traditionally come with three services and you get cable, you get home phone, and you get internet service. Um, but as of uh, 2018, we rolled out a fourth addition to that, and that's mobile phone service. Uh, so Spectrum Mobile allows customers, people who are already Spectrum customers, to take advantage of uh, this mobile service, and the pricing is just phenomenal. Um, I worked on the accessibility of this particular product when I uh, joined Charter. I couldn't be more proud of it, and, um, and it's really... Uh, you know, it says something when I can get behind the pricing of it too. Um, the phone service and the text messaging, all of that is not something that you're going to be paying for. All you have to pay for as a Spectrum mobile customer is the data plan and you can get it by the gig um, or you can get it for a lump sum for unlimited. Um, and those are really reasonable prices. And seriously, I've slashed my bill um, and to a fourth of what it was uh, before. So I wanna encourage that, uh, but I wanna tell you that when you get Spectrum Mobile, um, you can also download the Spectrum uh, account, mobile account management app, and you can manage your account on that app entirely accessibly. If, whether you have a, 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 an Android or an iPhone, um, that service is entirely um, accessible or that product, that application is entirely accessible. We've really focused on making sure that from the start, this is something, this was our first, what we called born accessible product. Uh, born accessible meaning that from, from the product's launch, um, accessibility was baked into the design and it was beautiful. It hit the aesthetics that our developers wanted, but it also hit all those accessibility markers and not only checked those boxes, but really made the experience great. Uh, for instance, if you're going through your call log, you can uh, rotate your fingers on your, your screen. Uh, for those of you who use an iPhone and 
go to that headings navigation and navigate by headings. So the granularity of the way that you navigate through the application is just incredible. Uh, really love it uh, and encourage you to check that out. Um, I wanna jump ahead a little bit and tell you about um, what we're doing this year. And these are some exciting bits of news. Um, some of you probably, uh, especially if you tuned into the uh, national convention, uh, you heard us talking about spectrum access. Um, if you haven't, I'll tell you now. So spectrum access is a new product and it is specifically geared uh, for people who are blind or visually impaired, also includes closed captioning. So um, those folks who uh, enjoy closed captioning or depend on closed captioning can also utilize the application for added content. So, but for those of you who are just interested in audio description, the app provides audio description on the go. It's a growing library of content um, that we released earlier this year. It was supposed to be released around this time, but when the COVID uh, scenario knocked on everybody's door, we really huddled together um, here in Denver uh, in the development offices and we said, how can we uh, re really do something for, for our, our disability communities and, um, uh, and show them that we're here for them. Um, this was one of the ways that we had the power to, to really make some moves. And so we um, expedited the delivery of the app and we launched it in April. And um, what you'll find with the application is a lineup of movies and now a growing um, uh, uh, selection of shows, especially Spectrum Originals is where we've started. So uh, all of the Spectrum Originals are now loaded into the application as well. So if you're wanting to watch LA's Finest, for instance, um, you can pull it up on your TV and pull it up on the app and combine the audio description. So here's how it works. You launch the movie or show uh, that you're interested in watching on your TV. And uh, once you've downloaded it on the app as well, so you can either search for it with a search bar um, or you can find it in the, um, in the categories list. Once you've found it in the application, just hit download uh, audio description track and a sync button will pop up on your screen. Go ahead and play the movie or show on your TV, hit that sync button, point that microphone um, of your phone uh, toward the, the speakers uh, so that it can capture the sound a little better. And um, it will identify where you are in the movie or show, sync the audio description track to that point and off you go. You can pop an earbud in your ear uh, or you can have it playing out loud if others in your home are wanting to enjoy the content as well. I know that there is a booming uh, interest within the sighted community in audio description. Um, and I love this because with closed captioning, about 80% of people who are uh, using closed captioning are not even hearing impaired. And so I'd like to see that kind of growth with audio description as well. And we're starting to see it. People who are cooking and wanting to continue to binge their their content are turning on audio description and, uh, and enjoying it that way so they don't have to keep their eyes on the screen. Um, people who are driving, road trips, parents, Uber drivers, you name it, 
all kinds of people are starting to discover audio description. So promote that in your circles, get folks to download the Spectrum Access app. Here's the best part of it all. The app is entirely free. Now, if that's not good enough, you don't even have to be a Spectrum customer to enjoy the application. There, it is a zero authentication service. You don't have to type in any credentials. Once you've downloaded the app, the app is ready for use. Uh, so if you're within the United States, we're working on, on Canada and, and, and other places now, but if you're within the United States, you can download the app and you're ready, ready to go. You don't have to be a Spectrum customer and you don't even have to uh, use it just with the Spectrum TV platform. Uh, you can use it with any platform um, so long as the movie or show is loaded into the application. So I can't say enough great things about it. I encourage you to download the app. And if you have questions about the app specifically or have comments, feedback, we have a special inbox that you can email. And it's really simple. It's spectrumaccess at charter.com. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, the newest product that we are offering. Uh, this was our fourth born accessible product. Um, of course, we had you know, Spectrum Mobile and we had um, the Apple TV app uh, that I know a lot of you are enjoying. Spectrum News. One of the things that we've learned is that news has become a really close companion for everybody during this COVID era. Uh, people relying on their news apps. Uh, I know the AFB uh, put out a, a research around COVID. Um, very long, um, I think it was 82 pages of research that I read through. But one of those sections talked about how important news has become for people who are blind or visually impaired to understand you know, what's going on in their world, uh, stay connected um, and make sure that, that they're informed uh, about the latest in their uh, local community. Well, Spectrum News does just that. Spectrum News gives you your local content, your local uh, news on your phone. Uh, the app is accessible. I think it's just great. We, we've really gotten so much good feedback about the design of the application in terms of accessibility. I'm really proud of it. Uh, but the thing that you'll find there is local news from your area. And let's say... Uh, you know, let's say you're one of those people that has a vacation home down in Florida, but you live in New York, um, or your parents live down in Florida, um, and you live in New York, and you want to check in on them. You can check in on the local news down there in Florida, or North Carolina, or Kentucky, wherever it is, um, and also in your, in your hometown in New York, um, right there on your phone. You can check for weather, um, even weather on an hourly uh, basis. And I got to be honest with you, I really like the way that weather set up even better than the, the native weather app on my phone uh, in terms of accessibility. And, um, and you can even get uh, closure alerts and things like that. So uh, when those snows start to come in and, and, uh, and cover the grounds out there in New York, you can get um, closure alerts and weather alerts and such. So I also encourage you to download the Spectrum News app. It's super easy. Um, if you are not a Spectrum customer. Um, obviously the app is free. If you are a Spectrum customer, you just download it into your credentials and you're ready to go. If you're not a Spectrum customer, you can download the app and use it for 30 days for free, just so you have an idea of uh, what the app offers. Um, I, again, I wanna go, go back and, and give some um, 
contact information, just so you have a way to reach our team. The first number um, that's most important for me to give you is that uh, customer service number again, that you can call, uh, especially if you're calling about accessibility. That's 1-844-762-1301. Now, if you're wanting to uh, give us feedback on Spectrum Access uh, or ask any questions, Again, that's spectrumaccess at charter.com. And if you're really not having any breakthroughs and you want to reach our uh, accessibility development team, uh, you can reach us at accessibility at charter.com. Um, we are so proud of, of what we've been uh, able to accomplish in the last several years with our team. Uh, we've recently um, hired a new uh, vice president of accessibility uh, really excited about that. He's about three uh, months in now. Um, and his name is Steve Raymond. Uh, Steve Raymond comes to us with a, about 25 years of experience in the cable industry, uh, working for, for uh, a number of, uh, of cable uh, providers. And, um, uh, and most interestingly, I, I am just impressed with his background in um, with adaptive sports. Um, he launched a, um, a uh, adaptive spirit, uh, which is a funding source really for Paralympics. Um, and that's, I think that launched in 95, at 1995. So they've been going for about 25 years strong now. And I think they're the, the number one uh, fundraising uh, institution for the Paralympics, um, specifically for uh, skiing, snowboarding and cross country. So. Um, really interesting connections and really incredible Paralympians that, uh, that um, he's gotten to know, but also gotten to know a lot of people in the accessibility industry. So we're, we're happy to have Steve join us, um, help us welcome him um, to the team. I think we're going to achieve some really incredible new heights uh, with his leadership as well. Uh, so really excited about that. And also uh, early this year, we launched a um, within the accessibility team, a focus on innovation. Uh, John Sweet, who some of you uh, may or may not be familiar with if you've come around our uh, Spectrum booth um, in the years past, um, has uh, uh, been leading that innovation effort. And um, the first product that's come out of that has been Spectrum Access. And uh, we're really excited about some of the new stuff that we're looking at. So uh, stay tuned in with Spectrum. Uh, future conventions or write us, ask us questions. Um, and uh, we're excited. We're going to be excited to share more of uh, what's to come. Obviously, I can't share a lot of that right now, but I'm just itching to, to talk about some of the areas that we're looking at. In any event, um, super thrilled that you all have been great partners for us um, in, in the past couple of years. And I'm excited about this relationship. So I'll end it here and take some questions. Okay, anybody has questions for Peter can raise your hand. Uh, again, it's uh, Alt Y. Okay, or... if you, oh, I'm sorry, Annie. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Um, if you, if you want to raise your hand, uh, it, on the computer, it is Alt Y. And if you are on the iPhone, you will see there is a raised hand button. It's I think it's near the bottom for webinar. Uh, 
Uh, if you are on a landline, it is star nine. And if you are on a Mac, I believe it's still option Y. So we have some people with raised hands. Rahil, you may unmute. Currently unmuted. Lower. Hi, Peter. It's Rahil. How you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Um, now, since I'm a in internet customer, um, is there a way I could like Spectrum News and Albany, New York? Because it used to be like YNN or Capital News Nine, and I used to listen to Jody Kenny, and and all that, and and Danny, and who's the cooking guy on there, and. Is there a way I could still get that? Um, can you help me understand your question a little bit better? Um, are you are you meaning on your on your ch channel lineup? Um, I used to have a radio, but but I don't have a radio. I wonder if there's a Amazon skill that uh, a speaker skill that I could try for that. Well, I, I you know I'm not. I'm not well versed in, in other companies' products like Amazon Skills, but okay. if if there's a particular channel uh, that you're looking for, um, you can. Is there an app on phone that I could try to listen to the Spectrum News in Albany, New York? Or yeah, you you can download the Spectrum News app. Okay. So okay. it's exactly what I was talking about. So go ahead and, and download that Spectrum News app uh, on your iPhone or Android okay. and um, type in your credentials and uh, see if see if you get what you're looking for there. I suspect you will. It'll give you all the local news for Albany. What is the other uh, app that you mentioned about audio description movies? Because I don't have a cable or a box or any of those things. No worries, you don't have to. Just download Spectrum Access on your phone. Um, right now it's available on iPhones. Android's coming uh, hopefully by the end of this year. Okay. And do I have um, a customer, a Spectrum customer for that? You do not, What's not that? for Spectrum Access. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, the next question we have is from Roseanne. You may unmute. Hi, Peter, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, Roseanne. Hi. How you doing? Um, doing great. I have a. I have a. First of all, I want to thank you for being here. I, I am really um, impressed with the work that you guys have done in terms of accessibility, and I think it's wonderful and certainly well needed. Um, I live in New York Downstate, right? and as far as I know, Spectrum has not been available in this area. Um, two questions. A, will it become available? And B, when it does, will there be like a special offer of some kind for us to switch from whatever we're, we're, we're using now to Spectrum, which would, I think would be awesome actually. And what is the internet speed presently on Spectrum? Um, so really, you know, I, 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 if you don't have spectrum service where you live currently, um, I don't have a way of knowing whether or not uh, that's that area is going to be expanded to include spectrum. Um, mm. I know that there's some uh, efforts being done to expand um, spectrum services and internet speeds um, to more rural areas. 
um, especially right now during COVID, there's just a real desperate need to, to get um, internet services and faster internet services to those areas. So it really depends on where you live, um, uh, what kind of speed you get. Um, and obviously, like I said, there's, there's an effort to increase the speed uh, for some of the more rural areas right now, which um, I think especially for work from home and, and education from home purposes, it's just been desperately needed. But I really don't have a way of knowing whether or not um, your area is going to have spectrum. The thing to remember is that the reason why we have these separated markets is for, for the monopoly, anti-monopoly purposes. And so, you know, Charter is going to have or Charter Spectrum is going to have their own and Comcast Xfinity um, is going to have their own areas and we don't overlap spaces. So if there's currently, you know, a company like Comcast in that space, um, you're not going to see, you're not going to see Spectrum um, in that area uh, for sure. Mm. So that's sort of, that's sort of the designated map drawings that they, um, I think, regulate over at the um, FCC probably. But uh, in any event, I really don't have a way of knowing exactly where the expansion is going to happen. I just wish other companies would embark on the work that you guys have done. And it would be so awesome to be able to have the type of accessibility that you guys have created. You've done a wonderful job and thank you for that. Thank you, Rosanne. I really appreciate it. And I agree with you. I think, you know, the great thing about accessibility is that accessibility in itself is not a, um, proprietary um, uh, thing. And so there's a lot of effort to share information with other companies. I know, you know we've worked with Comcast and Cox um, to really uh, work together to make sure that you know, we're all sharing information and, and providing customers with exactly what they, what they need. And so that's the great thing that you know, across the industry, we're really working to share some of that information, but I really appreciate the feedback, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. And Kathy Casey, you may unmute. Um, joining us today. Uh, right now I have Spectrum and I'm looking at the audio description. We have good audio description on the CBS affiliate, on the Fox affiliate, but we don't seem to have the audio description feed time or spectrum doesn't seem to want to feed it through our NBC affiliate. And I wondered who I need to contact. Do I need to contact the local office here uh, to find out about doing that? That's a great question, Kathy, thank you. So the first thing that I want to say, it's really important is that um, Spectrum, like any other uh, cable provider, uh, we can only pass through the audio description that the networks uh, give to us. And so uh, we're sort of in this middleman position and it's exactly why we launched the Spectrum Access app to sort of circumvent that um, industry gap. But um, if the network provides us with the audio description content, then we pass it through the customer. Um, if they don't, then that's not something that we can. Now, if they've provided us with the audio description content and you're not getting it, uh, it's really important for you to, to reach out to us and let us know. And so there's two ways you can, you can do that. Um, 
for, for any audio description that you think should be there and isn't. Uh, you can call that 844-762-1301 number and talk to the agent there. Um, if you don't get through on your uh, request on that particular number, then I encourage you to write us at accessibility at charter.com. And uh, we'll, we'll triangulate a call with the right person uh, or email with the right internal person to help you get that issue resolved. Um, obviously, you know, things happen sometimes and there's a glitch in the system. And, and uh, uh, when there has been, we've quickly resolved that in the past. So just write us and let us know. Accessibility at charter.com will help you figure it out. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Kathy. Uh, Jean Mann, you may unmute. Hi, can you hear me? Yep, Hi, Jean. got you. Okay. Hi, Peter. Um, first of all, I have to compliment your um, accessibility people. I had an issue with a modem that wasn't working a few weeks ago, and I couldn't get anybody out here. And when I called them, they had somebody here like really, really quick. They worked on the phone with me, and, and they got it taken care of right away. But um, the other thing I want to ask is if I get this box to turn on the guided narration, is there something else I have to do to get audio description or is that part of it? Um, so you can, do, you can do one of two things. Um, if, you've got, if you've got the spectrum box with guide narration, um, uh, there's a shortcut key that you can use to turn guide narration and audio description on and off. So, the shortcut key to turn guide narration on for everybody is um, hit that accessibility button, which is that re rectangular button um, sort of up above the one key and then hit the number three key. So hit that rectangular button and then the number three key that'll turn guide narration on and off. And you can do the same thing with that rectangular button and the number two key and that'll turn your audio description on and off as well. So. Uh, give that a try and see if that'll turn your audio description on. You should be good to go from there. I don't know if I have the right box, so I have to find that out first. Thanks. Yeah, call Thank that you, number and, and they'll be able to research that for you. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You bet. Okay. Uh, well, I say this. We do not have any more questions at this point. Great. Sounds like we're uh, very efficient, which I like. <laughs> Peter, this is no. Annie. Um, I do actually have a, not good enough if it's a question or a comment. Um, uh, here in Westchester, we have, we have traditional cable and we also have um, fiber optics. And for some reason, we can choose between fiber optics or traditional <laughs> uh, coaxial cable. Um, it, I'm confused about that because usually, you know, you were saying that, you know, it's pr provider based um, uh, sections sectioned out and you don't overstep each other. Could you kind of uh, explain why that might happen here? Is it just because Westchester allows it or is there a difference between fiber optics and um, coaxial cable, you know, cable, traditional cable? Um, I don't know if you can answer the question, but that was going through my head when you were talking about that. Yeah, I'm probably not the expert to address that in detail okay. um, since I'm only on the accessibility team. And um, But the one thing that, that you'll notice is that in some areas you, you'll see an upgrade um, uh, from one system to another. And, you know, a lot of that sort of depends on, on 
where you are and whether or not, you know, I, I know that's for a lot of folks, they're probably familiar with uh, Time Warner Cable or Bright House Networks, uh, depending on where you, where you lived in the last several years. And so when we, when, when Charter bought uh, Time Warner Cable and Bright House Networks, um, and we merged in 2016, um, what folks were seeing was an in, in, uh, upgrade um, in their area to support the, the spectrum guide with guide narration. And so you might have access to fiber optic and coax cables. And, and I know that gets a little bit confusing, but um, you know, I, I wanna be careful not to say the wrong thing about the, the, the two different services since that's sort of out of my wheelhouse. Sure. Uh, but that might be why you're why you're why you're seeing both. Okay, I, I just have one last question for you. I mean, I know you said you couldn't really share much about the future, but I mean, if you could share a little bit something about how you see accessibility progressing, like in a general sense, in yeah. the in the in the industry, um, could could you talk about that at all, or just give me? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give I'll give a little bit more information there. So. You know, one of the things that I said in the very beginning when I first um, uh, started talking was um, that we, when the team was established, really, I think it was 2016, um, we focused just on the products. Can we make our internet accessible for screen readers and, and other assistive technologies? Uh, can we make uh, the products that we currently have uh, retroactively uh, make sure that the accessibility is built in if they're not inherently accessible and moving forward any products that we release to be more accessible or to be accessible from the start. And, and that really was uh, 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 Spectrum Mobile was, was the first of those types of products um, to be born accessible. And so then we started talking to customers and I started traveling to conferences and conventions and I started hearing a lot of your feedback, you know, from, from all of you, um, especially at these national conventions, um, that we want uh, the service to be improved. We want the agents to really understand accessibility and, uh, and have a little more disability etiquette under their belt. And so we went into that space and now that we're sort of hanging around there and, and providing the training and improving those services, uh, we're getting some ideas about how that can be improved even better, right? So for those of you who are at home and you've got your box that's turning on and you call in the agent and the agent's saying, is the green light on? And you're like, wait a second, I can't see the green light. Um, you know, and they've got to roll a truck to your home or something. So some of the, some of the spaces that we're looking at are, are uh, scenarios like that where you don't have to get a truck rolled to your home, but um, you don't have to be able to see whether or not there's a green light. So there's some solutions that we're working on in that space. Really exciting. I honestly don't think it's going to take a long time for us to um, to get to a solution there. Um, some of the other areas, you know, we really focused a lot on 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 um, you know the blind and visually impaired uh, community quite a bit since the um, install of our team, but. Um, we're really exploring some other disability areas too. So I know, you know, within the blind and visually impaired space, there's a lot of, you know, cross disabilities, multiple disabilities that also exist. So, you know, if you're somebody who's um, using other assistive technologies, we're spending a lot of time focusing on that. Uh, ways to improve your interaction with 
um, with the guide um, that are more accessible. Um, uh, and that's for all disability types, including folks that are blind and visually impaired. There's some new innovative um, approaches that we're looking at interacting with the guide as well. So I'll say that. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, and, and just, can you repeat your contact information before we end the session? I can, and I just wanna say also that it's really, and this is really important. The ways that we're looking at innovating, these are suggestions that have come from all of you. Uh, this, is, this has come from the times that, you know, a lot of you I've met at the, at the conventions and, uh, and you've come to me either in the, in the private sessions that we've held or at the exhibitor booth and you've given me feedback that I've written down and I've brought back to our team. And I have been probably one of the most impressive things about my, my role at Spectrum has been to see how quickly our developers grab these ideas and implement these solutions. So these are your ideas coming to life uh, when they do, even Spectrum Access, this came, uh, Spectrum Access, in fact, I just wanna share this if I may really quick before sure. I share the contact information. There's an interesting story behind it. When I first joined the team, a coworker of mine uh, who's now leading the innovation uh, project and, and help on Spectrum Access, he invited me on May 4th to a, um, a Star Wars party and said, we'll be, look, we'll be viewing some of the original Star Wars. And I said, well, I'll come only under one condition. If you can somehow provide me with some audio description. Now we searched the web up and down, left and right and couldn't find audio description for the original Star Wars. And uh, he embarked on this journey of trying to write a script for it. And uh, it was this complicated journey that really led to needing a solution uh, like Spectrum Access. Um, and so that was the way that that was the way that launched was really me, a ordinary person who's blind, wanting added audio description. And I work for a cable company. I know that, you know, we sort of have our hands tied. We can only pass through the audio description that the networks give us. And so mm -hmm. Spectrum Access was that solution to give the added audio description content where there is none. So these are these are real solutions for, you know, real suggestions from real blind people whether they're on our team or out in the community. So I thought Thank that was neat to share. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, I'll give you that contact information before I, before I hop off. So the customer uh, call center um, for people with disabilities, the best number to call there is 1-844-762-1301. -1 Again, be sure to mention that you're blind or visually impaired um, so that you, know, you don't get added fees or anything like that for truck rolls. And, um, and if you do need a field agent to come to your home, ask them if it can be a supervisor level agent so that they really know what they're uh, doing in terms of accessibility um, expertly well. Uh, the email address to contact us about Spectrum Access is Spectrum Access at charter.com. Uh, I think it'd be great if you just mentioned that, that you learned about this at the um, ACB New York convention. Um, love to see just, just the impact that we're having uh, by um, coming out to your convention. And, um, and if you've got any um, questions uh, that aren't being answered by, by the um, accessibility call center team, uh, you can email our team 
directly at accessibility at charter.com. Thank you, Peter. Thank you so much for sharing time today and supporting ACB of New York and um, look forward to hearing more wonderful things coming from Spectrum. Uh, Thank you so so every, you're welcome. Uh, everybody uh, stay with us. We're going to, we're going to, I think we're going to hear from our, uh, our chapter presidents uh, and then followed by the business meeting coming up at 2.15. So stay with us and uh, we'll be back soon. <laughs>